Chat has declared voiceover. a designated roller for the players for the first 10 minutes of gameplay. And wow. because of that, Trevor, I hope you got your dice hands warmed up because <laughs> you're going to be doing a lot of rolling. As oh, or or mouse mouse click it, clicking uh, yeah, fingers. Or, or something. You're going to be doing a lot of something. Uh, It'll be mouse clicking. So anyway, uh, we'll be My German name is Dice Hans. Sunir. Gontos. Kotex. Awara. Long ago, the four ancients created a world in harmony. Then, everything changed when the chat emped magic. Only Kelnor, master of good vibes, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. Two years have passed, and four adventurers have discovered a conspiracy, a company selling magic. And although their roleplay is great, they have a lot of XP to earn before they're ready to save anyone. But I believe they can save the- On? All right. Ayo! Four guys, ventures, and vibes. Welcome back to the table in the tavern. It's some of our players. Let's introduce ourselves. Oh, I don't see the thing, so I normally go by the order and the thing, but maybe I'll just go first right now. That's fine. Hi, it's me, Jake. Um, I play Gunner, the... Oh, I never used to say Gunner first. This feels weird. I play <laughs> Gunner, the Hematitian Rogue Demolition Expert. Uh, and I also play Alan, the Azamar Storm Herald Barbarian and Artillerist Artificer. Yeah, for some reason I said the subclasses. Hello, I am Trevor. I play Zop Hit O'Reilly, the uh, Fairy Oatling. Wheatling, Wheatling, Whoa. not Oatling. Yes, Wheatling, um, who is a, a warlock, um, and I also play Bruiser, the Winged Badger Inquisitive Rogue. Hey, I'm Wash, and uh, I'm trying to get my stash to grow sideways. And it's so uh, if, if you see me fiddling with it tonight, that's uh, that's what's going on. But I am the official 100% homegrown organic self-made voice actor of three characters a one jebediah peppermint the bullfolk gun wizard who spits fire inspires spit radford the white dragon board monk the man who makes shoes and kicks oh no your mic just cut out in the middle of it radford oh no was too... oh it's back that was weird. and i'm back uh <laughs> and i also play uh fp62 our wonderful little uh childlike wonder murder bot Hi, I am Will of the Wisp, and I play Clara Albuquerque, um, our quirky, fast-talking, uh, gossip-mongering fairy dragon. I I present to the group that perhaps we should add a class to D and D that is Bakerbarian. I think that would be a good D and D class. Bakerbarian, I, like yeah, I accept that nomination. Barbakian, that's good. Uh, I'm Josh, the Winged Badger Game Master. I play almost everybody else. However, there is one person who's not here with us, and I think to celebrate, since the players will be taking over as that person's character, everyone should introduce themselves as our missing player at the same time. Ready? Three, two, one, all at once. Hi, I'm Hello, everybody. I'm Cleo, and I play characters There's some characters here, and I'm really excited to not die. And they really are. And we're gonna do really well. This is the best thing we've ever done. 
I, that's the cold open. There, you were like, Jake's was like, oh, it's weird not doing a cold open. There it is. There you go. <laughs> that, uh, that's the cold clothes. Uh, cold clothes. Uh, and indeed, uh, everyone's clothes probably are cold because they are in a big cave city. For any of you who were not with us in the past when we began this fight, we are on the highest uh, tier of a tiered city that is built entirely within a massive cavern called Gaim. And at the top of that city with their airship anchored to a big old walkway and the uh, big skylight-type openings through which they would like to escape being attacked by invaders and enemies and bad folk, uh, we find most of our heroes um, trying to protect their ship, the Cugboat, and hold their their ground, basically, until the rest of our heroes can join them because a bunch of our adventurers are actually stuck in a reticulator making the large 1,200-foot climb. And uh, I think it's important to notice, because it wasn't quite discussed last time, that the situation we find ourselves in is one in which, for the last half of this this vertical trip, um, we have crammed six uh, size category medium people, a size category large wolf, and a bunch of pieces of a machine that when laid down on the floor is the full surface area of an underground bunker all into one 20 foot uh, 20 square foot verticulator and the natural and only conclusion from that is that in order to even get the doors to close we have to damage it and so the doors are kind of like jutting open a little bit and bits of machinery are sticking out the front and it's kind of swaying weird as it's climbing vertically. It's moving really slowly. This thing is very heavily loaded. Uh, the, the winch is working overtime, trying to get everything moving here. And so it's probably going to be a good amount of time before you make it to the top of the reticulator and rejoin the fight. Now, that's a problem. Because up there on the top tier, we have also discovered that some of the invaders, uh, some of the mooks, if you will, the soldiers of the insieging army, are actually attempting to cut the chain that anchors that reticulator to the ceiling of this cavern. And they're a pretty good distance away from the SS Happy Orc, otherwise known as the Cugboat. Uh, and that is, that is definitely going to cause some problems um, for our intrepid adventuring party here as they try to figure out what to do. Now, chat has done uh, three things that affect gameplay that will begin when the first turn of initiative order starts. Um, for the next 10 minutes, Trevor's making all the rolls on behalf of the players. Uh, for the next 10 minutes, all damage is doubled for everybody, friend and foe, uh, which is the thing that almost killed Alan last session. Yeah. So that's exciting. Although I guess Alan's got a little while before he's in the fight here. Um, Although if if elevator fall or verticulator fall damage is doubled, then Alan I think maybe perma dead. We'll see. Um, we talked in recent history about an alternative to a short rest that comes with a cost um, called I don't remember what it's called, but you have the write up somewhere in Discord, and if you want to use that, you can. Um, it's, it's called a, a lunch break. Your, <laughs> it's a way to spend your hit dice basically and, and get some get some HP yeah. back. Um, it's a critical role variant rule that is pretty good. So uh, feel free to use that if you need to. You just have to find it and <laughs> remember what it's called. Um, okay. Other than that, we're going to enter initiative order 
with Played by the Party, Riley Kit O'Leary. And who plays Riley Kiddo Larry today? The party, as I just said. Oh, the whole party. Yes, you are all the in charge of deciding party. what Cleo's. I was too busy googling. I was too busy googling this. Uh, this this short last alternative. No worries. Um. Well, let me. What do you, What do you guys think? I say as I fill words as I, I figure out where like Riley I is. I recall Riley was a really good lookout, so perhaps she should try to perceive and get some insight into who is coming down from the sky and attacking us. I seem to remember there are dragons out there. That's there a are great dragons idea. far above you outside the cavern fighting. From time <laughs> to time, you hear them roaring at each other. There That's be dragons. Idea. So maybe she could call out some of the, the um, incoming attacks. That sounds great. Yep. Uh, where would you like to position her or keep her right in the nest of the, of the airship? Keep her in the nest. Yeah, I think that sounds perfect. Cool. Uh, go ahead, Trevor, and tell us who's next and who's on deck. Uh, does she need to roll anything? Uh, sure. Let's have her roll a perception, just like an overarching perception. Alrighty. Let's see how this lookout goes. That is a 17 on the die, and I have to look up her perception score. She's not proficient, and her wisdom mod is plus four. Four, so 21. 21. Nice. Um, okay. Well, with a 21 perception, there are uh, a couple new threats that Riley is able to notice directly above you all um, at the ceiling of the cavern. There are another group of soldiers who are kind of rappelling down through the opening in the ceiling and are on their way down to engage you in singular combat, as it were. That's no good. Yeah. Why would they really... What? What? Why? Because <laughs> they're mean, I guess. Oh, I dang it. Yeah. Trevor, you gotta keep the turns moving. Okay. Initiative yep. next man. is Next is Barry. I don't know which one because they're not numbered. Oh, I guess when I copied all the berries to make new berries. I washed a, names it's are, a bushel. Yeah, it's a bushel <laughs> of berries. A bushel <laughs> of berries. Perfect. Uh, I'll just do them uh, en masse here. So we'll start with the three berries who are up above the, the cug boat there. Uh, they're going to move 5, 10, 15, 20 feet to get over top of the nest. And then they're going to use some ranged attacks. Oh, dear. In fact, you may find, if you're not careful that you have some some dangerous things landing on you. They're going to start by attacking Mockery. Actually, Trevor, roll me 3d6. Okay. Or, I'm sorry, d20. Roll 3d20. Let's just roll their attacks. And they'll attack each of you once. So that's an attack on Mockery and the two Wheatlings. That is a 3 and two fifteens. A 3 and two fifteens. Great. Um, so the two fifteens, I'm assuming, are going to hit, right? That would be an 18 on the die for each of them attacking you. Um, that's the twins. Zopf and attacking, Riley. Are they just attacking Riley? Or? They're attacking Zopf and Riley. 118 is uh, attacking each of them. Riley's AC is 15, and my AC is also 15. Okay. So both of you get hit. 
Let me see what we need to roll for their damage. Could someone else manage Radley's sheet? <laughs> um, that will. Where was where was Riley's sheet sent? The HQ. Uh, it's in the okay. HQ. Okay, eleven points of fire damage. Uh, we don't need to roll. We'll just take the the average damage. Eleven points of fire damage to Zopf and Riley. Their poor little weakling okay. selves getting hit by. Um, like the, the rifles of Ice Shard, uh, except these ones shoot little bolts of fire out of them that are okay. coming down towards you, little scorch marks singe uh, with kind of like a sizzling sound into the floor of the lookout nest of the Cugboat. And that concludes the Barry's turn. I will I will manage Riley's sheet. Okay, so that's um, the that was three berries, and then there's one, two, three, four more? No, there's a Barry, a Bart, a Bob, and a Brutus. <laughs> In the initiative order, we just did them all as one, so you can skip the berries. Okay. Uh, then it would be Zop's turn. Uh oh. Let me check that. This is distance. the Trevor show for the middle of initiative here. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, that is. Oh, okay. So they're pretty close to us. Thirty-five. Okay, so Zop will. Let me switch back. Um, he is going to Eldridge blast the uh, berry that is in front or closest to him. Okay. Uh, Zopf is going to go after. <laughs> Sorry, someone is changing the names on our battle map to like just random pronunciations of berry. Uh, okay. Uh, is that a save for them or a roll to hit for Zopf? That is a roll to hit, so I'm going to roll. Will a non-natural 20 hit? A non-natural 20 will hit. Okay. And that's going to be 13 damage. 13 damage. We're going to... to type. We're going to put the damage they've taken right after their name. Okay. Uh, so we can just watch total cumulative damage that way. Uh, by the way, any of you can rename a token by double-clicking on it. So you can ah, all cool. add into the damage there. Um, but... Okay. So is that all that Zop uh, is doing, or is he moving? Uh, he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna stay there. Is he gonna yell anything? <laughs> uh, leave us alone. Sorry, leave us alone. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot Zop's voice. Nice shot, brother. <laughs> uh, next we have Clara. Great. Um, Clara is. Very focused, maintaining the um, the dancing lights, um, but is looking around trying to see what's coming and looking for looking for some kind of insight. Um, uh, uh, Radford, uh, you know you, mm-hmm. you see anything coming? You, you know where you want some lights? I don't. What am I supposed to be doing here? Radford, you can barely hear her. She's very far away. Um, that is 110 feet away. That you're yelling. I uh, I think I think she's upset. We might need to go save her. Um, I will start flying in his direction and maintain the lights where they are. Okay. Uh, great. That concludes Clara's turn. Trevor, who's up next? Yeah, I get it. Bob. Bob. Uh, okay. Um, Bob is one of the uh, saboteurs, so to speak, going after the um. 
going after the chain that is suspending the reticulator. Uh, Alan and company are in there, like all squished up like sardines, probably talking about something. At some point, Jake, I'm going to ask you what they're talking about. Um, okay. But we won't cut to that conversation quite yet, but it has comedic potential. So uh, they're going to work on their sabotage, which means they're going to need to roll a d20. Right. Sorry. Forgot I was rolling. No worries. Uh, natural one. Natural one. Okay. They do not have a lot of success down there trying to um, make any any headway on it. And in fact, the machine that they're using jams a little bit uh, down there at the base. So standing on the, the gondola, basically, or the, the pendant down there, the machine that they're using is just... Um, it, it seems to... It kind of emits a loud puff of smoke and kind of grinds to a halt. And uh, that end of the, the equation seems to not be functioning very well at the moment. Next to Bob is uh, Brutus, the other kind of mook who is down there. And Brutus kind of swears at him. And he just like pulls out a manual and sits down next to it, cross like, okay, so we do this. And then that. go ahead and roll me a d20 for him to make a uh, slate of hand check to try and get it working again. No, okay. Try and fix this, and I think I think if we just unplug and plug it back in again, it it's powered by Wingle. That is an eight. He's like, well, let's try it, and he just rips out a hotline, and then he puts it back in again, and it does not come back to life. You're pretty sure it's going to be out of commission for, you know, at least at least the next six to ten seconds, something like that. Um, and that brings us into the the cockpit where Bruiser and probably relaying through the comms to like a frantic B Street are trying to get through their pre-flight checklist so that when Alan and company arrive, they're ready to go. Bruiser, why don't you roll me a um, a vehicle check? I think we used maybe survival for that or maybe a different skill, whatever it was. Oh, vehicle maintenance kit or whatever. Yep. Roll a check. Uh, natural skill. 20. Natural 20. Uh, wow. Uh, as those of you standing on deck kind of feel a little bit of a shudder and a as kind of the power systems begin kicking into gear and getting warmed up and, and ready to roll, Bruiser, who is very accustomed to starting with a burnout at the beginning of his Minecraft races, knows how to get an engine warmed up very quickly and effectively. The thrusters begin kind of juddering on the side of the airship as they get ready to um, you know, begin the, the liftoff process or the, the full strength propulsion. And that brings us back to the top of initiative order and a quick word picture for everybody. As we, as we sit here um, on the 10th tier of Gaim, you know, the lights are very dim. There's the candlelight kind of scattered or spread along the, the open deck at the top of the Cugboat. There are four dancing lights that are not quite bright enough to connect to each other. So there's just these points of brilliant illumination kind of spread across the length of the Cugboat, trying to evenly fill in the gaps where the, the lanterns are not. We know that there's a shadow creature standing on one of the stabilizing fins of your airship. However, because Willa has pinned it, uh, or I'm sorry, because Clara has pinned it in place with that light, it can't teleport away. Um, the other thing that we know is that far from the far from the airship itself, there's that pendant, that central town square area of the um, of this tier of Gaim. And that building has a huge steel cable suspending it to the ceiling. And there are still two mooks at the top and two mooks at the bottom with large machines that have been kind of anchored in place, working on severing that cable and beginning the process of toppling Gaim from above. Outside, you can hear the distant roars of dragons, the whoosh of wings, the sound of um, you know mountain wind kind of howling around 
uh, at the top of the mountain range. But inside, it's mostly echoey and at this point, mostly quiet, except for the sounds of your own combat and the combat of those you're fighting. The civilians are all pretty much cowering inside or behind barricades or have evacuated into different buildings and things like that. Um, and so we find ourselves at the top of initiative order, which is... FP-6-2. FP-6-2. What are we doing? All right. Um, I think... I think he's going to trust Mockery, Zopf, and Riley to be able to take care of those three above them. Right now, the important thing is to get the machine... To make sure that the machine gets safely to... Uh, to the ship. So he's going to uh, shoot Brutus. He's going to use steady aim since he didn't move last turn. Okay. Which is going to give him advantage, but it's so far away, he's going to have disadvantage on it, so it's going to wash I'm out. I'm not confident he has line of sight to Brutus. Brutus is on the ground there, or on the, the lower level there. Uh, Am I rolling for this? I think the airship is in the way. And yes, you are, but we're, we're this is the last of our 10 minutes. Oh, you're right. He would have to move to the other side of the ship. Yeah. Um, he can attack Barton Barry up on the ceiling there. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, that's. We'll change this Barry. That's name. true. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that works out. Great. He's going to shoot um, barometer <laughs> or Barry meter. Is it still dead disadvantage? Barry meter. Son of he Joey meter. Barry noser. Aha, uh-huh, true. That is a 25 to hit. A 25 is enough. And he is going to do dice. Dang, not a lot. Um, 12 points of piercing damage. Okay, 12 points um, of piercing damage. Gunshot whizzes across through the air. And FP, having steadied his aim, probably bracing himself on the wood railing of the cookboat's deck, Bruiser is so um, impressively getting the ship up and running that there's not even any jitter to, like, throw off FP's aim, and so he's able to get the perfect shot. And it just kind of lances over there and hits Barrow Meter in the shoulder as he's kind of tending to his machine. Um, he does not even turn and acknowledge you. He continues what he is doing. Oof. Uh, Mockery's turn is next, and Mockery is going to see what the distance is here. Mockery would need a 30 on the die with her athletics check. She has a plus six. She's going to jump and attack them, um, like with melee. We're going to roll that. She's going to jump all the way up there? She's going to try. She needs a 30 uh, to make the jump. She's going to say 30 on the die or she needs a 30 like as 30. her roll. She has a plus, I guess with a plus six, she can't get one. Can she? No, um, so with a 10, yeah, she jumps up in the air, but can't jump quite high enough. She, lands oh, she gets back. an at 20 maybe, but I guess maybe. Yeah. Um, she jumps in the air, but doesn't make the jump. She crouches and, and kind of like lands dexterously enough that she doesn't hurt herself, but she just jump uh, higher. Like, We've got to find some way to get them. You two can fly. Why am I the one attacking them on the ceiling? And then she kind of, you know, turns around back to the ladder and goes, I can protect this. You two go up and fight them. Mm-hmm. And that concludes her turn and brings us to Bart. Bart. Bart is one of our saboteurs. Um, Bart's up there on the ceiling, and this machine is still running in working order. 
They are set in and have had some time to ensconce themselves. They're going to roll to see if they can get anything happening here. And unfortunately, even with advantage, um, the machine doesn't break, but the chain, I mean, these are steel cables that are meant to suspend like a city hall. These are big, yeah. big strong steel chains. And just because you brought the right tool doesn't mean that like their master craftsmanship is going to fail under an onslaught like that. And so although you can hear and even see the little sparks illuminating the night distance or the dark distance, I guess, little sparks kind of falling off and they just begin trickling and floating down. You hear the echoing around the cavern kind of deafeningly. They do not seem to be making any headway. Um, not that you could really tell very much from here. Uh, and that concludes Bart's turn and brings us back to our shadow creature who is on the stabilizing fin here. Um, Trevor, did you note down how much damage this creature took in the last um, game? Because I think uh, it has some hit points of damage. Let me pull it up. Yeah, I'm pretty see. sure Radford hit him a couple times. I will check. Um, Shadow took 29 points of damage. 29 points of damage. Okay, great. Yeah, I did. Um, there's that shadow creature with its 29 points of damage. It is going to... It's only 10 feet to get to the, the top there, and it has a high enough mod that that's not actually a roll. So it's going to jump to the railing of the deck here and cross over, and it's going to immediately do some attacking. Um, as it lands on the deck here, the first thing it's going to do is throw a dagger. So it kind of flips over the railing and then whips a dagger out of its belt and just throws it towards FP-62. Um, FP-62, what's your AC? Uh, 16. 16. <clears throat> what did he get, though? His... What did he get, though? Yep, I'm looking. Um, let's see here. That's a 12. Um, so he okay. does, it's not enough to hit. So he throws a dagger, but um, FP is able to kind of dodge out of the way. He's going to then use another 20 feet of movement, 5, 10, 15. Actually, he's only going to use 15 feet of movement to get close enough that he can engage FP-62 with his chain. And he's going to throw that spiked chain out and try to basically grapple FP-62 with it. So here comes another attack. That is a... 16 to hit. Uh, Jeb is going to reach out with the blunderbuss and rewind time and do a chronal shift and force him to re-roll it. Some chromatic aberration surrounds the situation as the chain flies towards FP, giving FP a split second's chance to dodge again. Here's the new attack. The new attack is a natural one. Uh, nice. Easily nice. dodges out of the way and um, is able to get an opportunity attack without spending a reaction if he would like because of the, the extra time, basically, that's been compressed into, um, into this scenario. Um, yeah, he's going to just almost methodically uh, like, zoop, like twist his torso around. You can kind of hear the, the machinations inside of him go, jik, 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 and he's just going to point blank fire directly at him. Um, oop, that was my D12. That is a 16 to hit. That is a 16 to hit. 16 does not hit. Um, FP well. comes around, gets point blank with his weapon and fires. And you're not sure if the shadow creature dodged 
or if some of it kind of poofed into vapor or what exactly happened. Mm. But FP felt like the shot was lined up and then it just did not connect. Some kind of, you know, poof of, of smoke or mist or something and a little blur of motion in the shadow creature, perhaps taking its own benefit from the fact that time was rewound and it had a little more processing time. Um, and so now they are just point blank with each other and engaged in uh, in combat with each other. And that concludes this shadow creature's turn, which brings us to Jebediah Peppermint. Um, I'm just going to roll with this. Cause I think, well, yeah, Jeb doesn't have any range to get over there and do spells. Um, it's a lot farther away than it looked like uh, previously. So he's going to focus on things a little bit closer. Okay. He is going to... I moved my lamp, and my light is shining directly on my character sheet in just a way that I can't read it. That's weird, um, usually that's that's sort of a goal, is to have your lamp shining onto your character sheet. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really odd. It's really odd. Um, he is going to... Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's time. Uh, he is going to cast Hand of Jebediah again. Okay. Uh, where? On the ship or on the sky? Or like the ceiling? Um, well, it's got a... Oh, it's got a 120-foot range. Oh, he may not be able to reach. Uh, chat, yeah, we do have a, a battle map up for everybody, but it's just so that they can check distances and things. I think it would be um, tiny for me to screen share it with you, and that's why I don't have it on screen here. I know. I know what I'm going to do. Jeb, uh, Jeb is going to reach his hand up to Barry, Barry, and Barry above <laughs> Mockery, Zopf, and Riley. Oh, yeah. And he's just going to pull a stone fist down out of the ceiling and just smash into, uh, into like, Barry with it. Oh, okay, cool. So that's... Uh, that's going to be, uh, hold on. So the clenched it... fist can only attack one creature. Right, right. Uh, using my spell attack modifier. Okay, so that's a plus eight. That's a 19 plus eight, 27 to hit. 27 to hit, yes. And he's going to take 4d8 force damage. Dang. Poor Barry. Rip. He's having a bad day. Barry looks over at Barry and he's like, man, if we don't make it through this, remember me as I was. <laughs> <laughs> remember as me Barry. as Barry. <laughs> he takes 17 points of force damage. He takes 17 points of force damage. He, he looks over at the magical fist made of rock that's kind of suspended in the air in front of it. Well, does it, like, vaporize again afterwards, or does it stay formed? Oh, it's going to be up there. Okay. He looks it, over. It is. It, yeah. He it's going to be up there and just floating goes, around. Bury a scratch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any move actions for Jeb? Oh, dang. Oh, dang. Oh, dang. Um... I think he's going to get up next to FP. Okay. Gonna gonna scooch up between FP and Radford. Um, no, that's dumb. That's dumb. He's gonna stay. Yeah, he's gonna stay exactly where. Ah. <laughs> going once. Going twice. 
He's going to stay where he is. All right. Uh, and that brings us to the next turn in initiative order, which Radford. is Radford. Okay. 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 Good shot, FP. Do better. You need to really tighten, it, uh, tighten things up. And Radford is going to um, swing out with his uh, his Shadow Maul tattoo that he's got manifested on him. And he's going to take a couple swipes at this shadowy creature. All right. I'm juggling three character sheets, folks. Please, please be patient. I have, yeah, everybody's it takes a got long a lot time of characters to, flip pages. to tonight, chat. So sorry about physically, that in advance. Physically juggling them. Yeah, he's physically. actually balled them up. So that's why it takes so long. He has to Dang. unroll them again to read the stats. That's another 19. Start juggling uh, again. 29 to hit. 29 to hit. Yep, that's going to hit. And... Okay, that's going to be 1d6 plus 5, 4 plus 5, plus 1, plus 1d6 force damage. So that's 10, 13 force damage. And then he's going to do a flurry of blows and hit, uh, hit, it hit him more. Yeah. I'm having a brain fart. Is Flurry of Blows two extra hits or three? Flurry of I think blows it's two. two extra hits. Two it's at least hits. a flurry of them. <laughs> oh. Ooh. A natural one and a natural 20. Wow. Dang. Back to back. I'll give you the natural 20 first so you hit with it and then we'll adjudicate the nat one. Um, That is... Fourteen points of damage. All right, fourteen points of damage as Radford moves up and twice he hits it. So that doesn't need total... to move up. It's got a fifteen foot range. Oh, okay. Wow. Cool. Um, that's a yeah, it just like that's a whips total out of from him. Twenty-seven points of damage that get added. So if someone could add that to the shadow creature, Radford's not one though. Unfortunately, he's in his flurry of blows. He's in his zen. And the uh, shadow creature sees sees the third strike coming, and I'm going to give you a choice wash for how we adjudicate your nat one. One of them involves you making a roll, and one of them involves me making a roll. Which one do you want to do? Um, you know what, DM? Yeah? You need to roll more often. I'll let you roll. All right. We're going to roll as the shadow creature is going to take uh, basically an opportunity attack, um, just like FP got recently. It's going to um, dodge out of the way, and as it dodges, it's going to flick out that 10-foot chain that it has, and it's going to try and hit Radford right in the gut with the poison tips of this big spiked chain. And so here comes the roll to hit. Things are not looking good for Radford. Uh, that's a 19 to hit. 19 to hit? Mm-hmm. Uh, that hits. Okay. 19 to hit. And then I, unfortunately, like I said before, I, I only have the D20 and D6 up there, so I do have to roll damage off screen here. But um, we will... I'll be back shortly after this brief word from our sponsors, Jake. <laughs> this is now the conversation that's happening in the reticulator. Uh, while this craziness is happening. Well, when you really think about it, uh, 
the, the name Deadeye, it ain't really that uh, intimidating, you know? Could just mean it's a gang of, you know, kind of visually impaired people. Well, I, I don't know if that's really what they're going for. They're trying to do something that's more like about, uh, I believe, gambling. Because the, the tattoo is the dice. Um, so it's, you know, it sort of has to do with like the concept of snake eyes, for example, uh, or perhaps um, sharpshooting uh, in that case. Save. Don't tell me what you get. We'll, we'll come back to it in a second. Just roll a con save. A con save? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, it's whatever. It's not, they're not a big deal. Uh, yes, I, I, I appreciate that perspective. I, uh, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to bump into, well. If you wouldn't mind just uh, trying to arrange yourself a little bit more conveniently. It's, it's, it's to, this is a delicate machine that we're carrying uh, here, and it's hanging out the doors of a reticulator. Uh, yes, I, I agree. I apologize. Um, it, it just seemed convenient at the time after the I just thought of all the perilous here, battle you would understand the trigonometry of positioning yourself inside a reticulator uh one would think that uh trigonometry however was my uh least uh highly graded subject uh back back in the day meanwhile um, up on the cug boat uh con save uh i got a six but no go ahead I got a six. <laughs> <laughs> you got a six, but no, go ahead. All right. Uh, you take 16 points of piercing damage. Okay. And then you take... Oof. Uh, 26 necrotic damage. All right. Is this a poison or a disease? Uh, this is a poison. Uh, Radford is immune to poison. He has become so in tuned with his key at, at level go. 12 that he is he's not immune to poison damage per se, but any poisoning effects or diseases, he's immune to them. Okay, then the damage is not so, permanent until the next time he receives a greater restoration. Okay, so that, that was 26 additional. Look at him go. Yeah, 26 uh, poison type damage but it does not become gotcha. the, the permanent hit point damage that it can be with them. And the shadow creature kind of cocks its head a little bit. Like, that was weird. That didn't seem like it did what I thought it would do. Um, of course, it just like, you know, like Mouth of Sauron mm -hmm. um, does its thing. And that concludes its turn, which brings us to... Riley! Riley. Oh, that's right. Uh... It, was a, it was a reaction from the net one. Okay, so it's Riley's turn. What will Riley do, party? I would think Riley would go and attack the various berries that the hand of Jebediah yeah. um, is doing. So Riley maybe could Eldritch fly up, blast. fly Eldritch up twenty blast? feet, and then Elders blast. Yeah, I don't think she even needs to fly up. Uh, I guess that's true, but uh, I think flying and being somewhat of a distraction from everything else going on might be good. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so Riley yeah. flies up twenty feet and uses an Eldritch blast on Bally. I can roll it. Roll it. <laughs> roll, roll it. This the Eldritch Blast. And this be, one, uh, this Eldritch, this Eldritch I know, I have I have the sheet. I am okay. I am taking care of the sheet now. I thought we agreed to this. That's how I describe yep. myself. I am the sheet. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, as, the, as the French would say. Um, I get two, uh, Riley gets two blasts. One of them is a 22, and the other one is a dirty 20. Uh, okay, they both hit. Uh, all right, see. 
see, brother, this is how it's done. What did you mean? I hit two. I hit him twice. I'm actually <laughs> twice as good as you. Well, I'll show you next time. <laughs> uh, 15 total damage from the two blasts. 15 total damage. That brings Belly to a total damage Belly. of 28. 28 hit points of oof. There you go. My autobiography. 28 hit points <laughs> of oof. There you go. <laughs> and I right. think that would be the end of Riley's turn. Oh, who's up next? Next we have Barry. Oh, the Barrys. <laughs> uh, okay. There are there are three berries up there, and then there's Barometer, uh, who is one of them, but I renamed him for the purposes of distinction. Barometer is um, sabotaging the reticulators. The three berries are um, over top of the cug boat, kind of firing down on the nest. They are repelling through a skylight, so it's not like they have a lot of sideways maneuverability uh, as much as they are just firing down with their weapons, firing their lasers. Uh, so here is the first two attacks, because there's three of them. That's a nat one and a 17 and a so, sorry, it's a 17 and a 12 on the die there. Let me see what those come out to total here. Although I'm sure the 17 is going to be high enough to hit. The 17 does hit. I, they're attacking Riley, you yeah, said, I think. Right? They're, yeah. they're attacking one of them. Shoot, they're shooting one at each person. So Riley and Zop ah, will both need their, okay. their AC here. The 17's going to attack Riley. The one will attack Zop, and the 12 will attack Mockery. So I, so we can be sure Zop is missed, actually. Um, okay. The 17 that hits Riley is going to deal 11 points of fire damage, as another bolt of fire just kind of whooshes out of the, um, out of the the barrel of their weapon. That was Belly. Uh, he's like, oh, you attack me. I uh, And then Barry, next to him, is like, I can do that too, man. He pulls out his weapon and he kind of fumbles it and he drops it with his nat one. <laughs> and the rifle falls a uh, significant distance down to the deck of the Cugboat. The rifle falls 40 feet down and then kind of like smacks into the Cugboat's main deck, leaving a big scratch. Uh, landing among the broken glass from where recently your window was smashed by a table. Uh, and then the final one, Barry, is going to uh, use his attack there. His 12 plus his 6 is an 18, and 18 does hit Mockery. He's going to hit Mockery for 11 points of fire damage. That might be the first time Mockery's been hit yeah. in our game. No, that's not true. She got hit in the fight where you almost lost the Rod of Luck. Uh, um, okay, that concludes the Berries, but Barometer is also over here working on his besieging activities. He's going to roll with his machine, and ooh, okay, uh, you you feel, um, well, you hear it, those of you who are up there, Owlin in the Reticulator, you feel just a little bit of a judder kind of like come down the line, and it just shakes a little bit. Um, which is not the same as what you've been like. You know, it's overweight, and so it's swaying weird. This is like yeah. uh, micro vibrations of some kind. Uh, I do not believe that that is our doing. That does not um, seem good. Uh, no, not not quite. Uh, Gunner actually, uh, like you can tell, Gunner kind of is like really thinking hard about what that was. Mm. I mean, to me, it's. It, 
it seems like someone's someone's probably trying to either destroy or cut whatever's suspending us up here. That's what that felt like. Someone's trying to chop it off. And uh, uh, to the us us down here, are we really aware that an invasion has been happening, or are we? I, I forget. Yes, because we... you had to fight you your way out of the lowest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 What you don't know is that there's anything up on the ceiling above yeah, you, okay. but you know that from below there's there's a fight happening. Okay. Um, um, the king of Udril Tactus, the unyielding, uh, is over one corner going, there's no windows on this thing. I could try and lean out the door and look up. Can you, can you move your elbow, please? Gosh, I'm just trying to get an angle to look up. To look yes, up. I just don't want to accidentally hit anything I shouldn't be well, hitting. I'm already balancing on one ankle, so I don't know how much more I can do to help this situation. It's just like kind of leaning around trying to get a, a glimpse out the door, but he can't find mm-hmm. the angle to, to look upwards. Um, that will conclude Barometer's turn and bring us to Zop. Zop. Um, who has an active rod right now? This determines what I do. Bruiser has the rod of dexterity. Jebediah has the rod of luck. And I think that might be it for on the on the airship That's right it now. On the Howland ship. has the other one. Because it's a hundred feet, up. right? Yeah, yep. hundred foot. Would Alan be active? Of the ship. Alan's would be active, but it wouldn't reach you. Why not? Because it can't. he's way oh. down. Yeah, oh, sorry, Alan's I'm thinking like, about flying to take out the guys on top, and so I need a, a magic Alan is range. Down near, that... Like between the sixth and seventh tier. So okay, he's not close enough for that to reach you. Well, no, oh. he's not close enough. It's a hundred feet for each. So tier. the distance is is not accurate then. Just for Alan and and friends, everything else is accurate. Okay. Um, I didn't want to add 1,200 feet of spaces vertically just for him oh, to yeah, have yeah, to move yeah, that yeah. crowd up the verticulator. Um, Chat on the map that do, I made for everyone. We've just crammed all six people plus Direwolf into one little 20-foot space until they arrive. Does the the act like the point that I cast on have to be in a in the sphere of a of no, a weave, or does connected to it. I just need to be connected to it? Yes. Okay. Uh, how far is this? Um, too far. Dang. Okay, I can't do what I wanted to do then. Dang. Chat says the accent hurts. Hey, I didn't rename them Belly. Okay. Belly. Yeah, you can't. You can't come after um, Belly. Okay. Yeah, they're just out of reach. Dang. That's unfortunate. Um, okay. Then Zopf is gonna Eldritch Blast uh Barry dot twenty eight. Oh Barry, you mean a Barry. Barry dot twenty eight. That's just how much uh, damage Barry is taking. It's not part of his name. That is a twenty three to hit. That's gonna hit. That is gonna deal uh ten damage. 10 points of damage. Barry.38. Barry. Barry is not looking awful, but he's not looking great. Uh, The Eldritch Blasts are starting to leave his his armor a little bit, like, kind of scorched, and and little tatters and tears are appearing in it as all this force damage, you know, gets knocked into him. He's probably bouncing against the rock ceiling, and it's kind of shredding and and pulling at his clothes a little bit, um, or his, his armor, I should say. 
Uh, and that is that all Zop is up to? Yes, that brings us to Clara. Okay. Okay. Uh, Clara's flying up towards Zopf, Riley, and Mockery, none of whom does she know personally. She's (laughs) exchanged one phrase with Mockery. Um, But Mockery was yelling, and Clara, being in the middle of the ship, was able to overhear, Hey, you! Did you say you needed something to stand on to get near these guys? I mean, I could use, maybe if you were positioned like halfway, I could jump off of you and attack them. Well, I got something better than that, honey. Okay. Um, Clara is going to use a cipher of immovable immovable object. Ooh. Um, on her way up, she um, I'm going to need this, honey, and she snatches the the sketchbook out of <laughs> Riley's hands. <laughs> Don't worry, it's going to be just fine. I'm sure uh, it's uh, that great. Was, that was my um, my art. Oh wait, is that Zop? I don't remember the voices. <laughs> Combining Zop and that Riley. Was, That's that okay. My, my art sister. Is that my voice? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm going to cipher a movable object, this book, into space about where Clara is right now. Um, it's going to be able to hold 4,000 pounds. So if Mockery steps on it, it's going to be just fine. It's going to be like, all right, honey, I know this looks like it's just, you know, amazing magic. I'm incredible. It's It's rather intimidating but you can stand on this i'm gonna stand on it and show her like look bouncy bouncy i believe you i don't need the demonstration oh I've well i see magic. i i you know you try to help some people they don't even know how to I'm say just thank saying you you've got the kind of face i can trust you don't need to justify oh thank you honey you're welcome um now look out <laughs> hey where do we need lights i got some i got some lights going where do we need them i like that we have a light here it's helpful for me all right that ends Clara's turn. <laughs> uh, great. That brings us to Bob, uh, who is another of the saboteurs. Bob and Brutus are still working on that machine that kind of like froze up or conked out on them um, down on the, the lower end of the steel cable suspending the reticulator. And as they're down there, we're going to make another roll. They've got a repair kit out now. One of them's got the manual. Like, why do they always do the manual in pictures? This is so unfortunate. But the other one is like, oh, no, Bob. Bob's pretty sure he can get this to work. And he goes, just check this out here. So it looks like if we just take the crescent wrench and we just hit it real hard, and the machine, and it kind of like revs to life again. And you hear the of the saw blade beginning again. They're going to get a roll for sabotage. Roll for sabotage. That's Gunner's favorite roll. That is Gunner's favorite roll, but probably not in this circumstance as another shooter <laughs> begins to wind Gunner's its way down the Gunner's actually immune to sabotage damage. Um, <laughs> Uh, another another shutter kind of goes down the the length of the of the chain, and we, um, you know, down in the reticulator, everyone can feel it. Uh, you're approaching the the seventh tier of Gaim, um, as you as you continue your your climb here. Uh, that's going to bring us to Brutus's turn, who is also down there. So he's going to make another roll for sabotage. Here it comes. Listen up, y'all. It's a sabotage. And he is not successful. So he doesn't break it, but Brutus is like, he's taking this turn to like, okay, well, let me put the manual away. We're clearly going to need this again later. Don't know why. It's in a different language, and there's only pictures anyway. 
And you, you know, they draw these. They drew it's these in a different language, and it's only. <laughs> they drew these pictures in draconic. <laughs> I can't. I can't read draconic hieroglyphs. Uh, and then that concludes Brutus's turn as well, which brings us to uh, Bruiser. Bruiser, I would like you to make a perception check with advantage. Something about the systems of your airship is not proper. Gotcha. Such improper airship Um, systems. Yeah, Wigbert would be 21. 21. Uh, You are pretty sure that um, one of the systems, maybe it's a hydraulic system or something, one of the systems that supports the thrusters is starting to fail on one side of the airship and you were confident that it could not do so without being sabotaged from inside your boiler room. Okay. Um, he's going to quickly make a call out to B Street. Okay. Uh, hey, there's there's something sabotaging in the boiler room, I think. Do you feel comfortable checking that out and investigating or do you need me to come down? Uh, Bruiser waits about 15 seconds. If he doesn't get a response, he's flying down himself. Okay, Uh, that's this round and the next round. Uh, So after that, he'll start his flight down. Uh, And that ends Bruiser's turn and brings us to the top of initiative order. Um, And a quick word picture. There are three berries above the airship. One of them's not looking so hot, and there's still a big floating hand made of stone near them. Or I guess really it's a big floating claw, right? Because it just replicates Jeb's Jeb's hand. Yeah, it's like a big... Jebby hand. Big mole claw. Big Jebby hand. It's the hand of Jebediah. Big Jebby hand is the name of my new funk band. Uh, and then mm. there are also four um, sabotage uh, expertise uh, saboteurs. There are four saboteurs who are working on both the top and bottom of the chain split two and two with four these big large boys, machines that they will. have anchored uh, onto the chain. And now the machines are trying to cut their way through. And they do seem to be having a little bit of success. Meanwhile, down in the verticulator, things are pretty cramped and frustrating. And because there's no skylight or windows, there's just a little crack in the door with all the metal sticking out of it that is your view of the city. Although, as Owlin and company begin to finally make it to the seventh tier of Gaim, uh, on your way in before you switch verticulators to the next one, you do begin to hear the very distant cries of dragons battling each other uh, far above in the night sky over the mountains. And maybe just Alan's artificer ears probably just barely pick up the subtle roar of the engines of the Cugboat, you know, kind of flaring to life uh, and getting ready to to ignite. Uh, uh, are we prepared or okay with... Uh trying to uh, shove ourselves all in another singular verticulator in order to save time, or do we feel as though that is not worth the risk? Alan will turn to Lairdith for that the question. The king turns to his wolf and is like, okay, we can take the next one. <laughs> um, uh, all right. So we'll, we won't crowd it. We'll, we'll split up into two lo- loads. Great. This uh, next one. Let's do all the people who are player characters in the first one, uh, just for ease of Sounds arrangement. Good. So that would be Alan, Gunner, and Fox are going to be together okay. in the in the first the upper verticulator, if you will, um, and then the others will be in the next one. But now they'll move at normal speed, which means that every three rounds, Alan, you will have 
uh, covered another floor. So you have three okay. floors to go. Every three rounds, you cover a floor. In nine rounds, assuming it doesn't fall, you will be on the 10th tier of Gaim and be ready to enter combat initiatives. So Isn't that the amount of rounds in kickboxing as well or something like that? Uh, <laughs> it is now. It, it depends. Um, okay. And so we re-enter initiative back on the top tier of Gaim, the 10th tier, the poorest tier with FP62. You are up close and personal with a shadow creature. You just fired at it and missed, and then it swung its spiked chain past you and kind of nicked Radford with it yeah, as, as he tried to help you with the fight. So um, to that point, I was doing a little reading, and I discovered that being immune to poison and disease with purity of body he's also immune to poison damage can i get that 26 hit points back for radford Ooh. whoa 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 yes. whoa um in the future i would prefer if when we misinterpret a rule we just implement the new understanding once we find it just so that we're not trying to backtrack um to i 100 percent agree fine. Um, but he's at half health and i would really <laughs> like it 26 <laughs> hit points back yeah, i'll give it to you this time. <laughs> but i um, I'm asking. You're yep. okay to say no if yeah, if you, you want if you don't you want to wreck on it. Time. Okay. Um, and, um, and FP yeah. is planted like a tree. Um, there is a shadow creature in front of him. He is going to use steady aim, okay. which gives him advantage on the attack, which means he gets to sneak attack. Yep. And hopefully he he's it. going to blow the head off of this thing completely. That is the dream. That is an 18. Okay. Plus ten to hit, so twenty-eight. Twenty-eight's gonna hit. Um, and Roll then that, that is his full sneak attack damage. That is six d six. No, seven d six. I'm just gonna roll it. Six d six plus one d twelve plus four is what we're rolling. Cool. Nice. Uh, crap. I rolled five ones, y'all. Oh, Dang. no! The dice oh, give it. Oh, my God! Oh, man. What the heck? One, two, three, four, five. Ten points of damage. Are you kidding <laughs> me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I rolled wild. a two on my D12. FP does Dang. everything right, but the shadow creature seems completely unfazed. The shot I did everything right, but the shadow like, creature is unfazed. Just, you know, right into the shoulder. So I don't know. FP is probably being really precise about it. So wherever FP aimed, if, I guess you were trying to blow its head off. So you hit it in the head and it like doesn't seem to really do any damage to it. The shadow creature's mouth <laughs> kind of yawns open in this angry, you know, the fangs and the dripping saliva and, the <laughs> and it's, it's getting all upset. Um, as FP attacks it, it is going to use one of its three legendary actions. Uh, it Ooh. has three per day, not three per round, but it's going to use oh dear. one of its three legendary actions as FP takes this close-up shot, and it is going oh dear. to leap towards FP, who is just in the next square over. FP needs to make an athletics or acrobatics check. FP's decision. What? What is this craziness? He leaps at me and I got a roll? Uh, he's rolling too. Okay. Okay. This is a grapple. Uh, I'm going to do acrobatics. Uh, so that is 17. It rolled a 16 as it leaps Oof. towards you and it actually gets its like arms around FP's neck 
and slides behind to use uh, like kind of a, a grappling move to basically flip FP over its back and over the edge of the Cugboat. Um, FP is able to do some kind of grappling or, or maneuver in some way that lands it back on the ground. The two of you are now back-to-back touching each other, um, but by the time either of you turns around, the other one will have turned as well. Um, and you are occupying the same square, which makes it difficult terrain and will cost you double speed to move out of that square, obviously. Um, but the two of you are in the Dang. same square, and that is uh, it having used its its action on that. Um, FP, are you going to take any move actions this turn? You've only attacked. So it can't. Far. It cannot. Oh, okay. It cannot uh, move. Yep. Well, then That's that brings turn. us to... Mockery. Mockery's turn. Uh, Mockery is like, now, now we're in business. Let's do this. And Mockery is going to roll with a much lower and much more palatable DC of, uh, what is that? That's 15 feet. So we only need a five on the die for Mockery to make this. That's a 14 on the die. Mockery leaps vertically onto the book. Boom. And then this puts Mockery dead center beneath the three berries who are attacking 15 feet down. She's going to crouch and basically um, those of you who are watching uh, or who can see her, which I guess is just the twins really, it's Riley and Zop. She seems to almost like close her eyes and focus in and her hands kind of form like a, a meditative stance of some sort. And then like a spring unleashing all that energy, she flies upwards and she's going to burn some key points on a flurry of blows in the air. She's going to attack the berries. Uh, So here's her first attack. Clara can see it too. Yeah, Clara can also see it. The first one misses. Now here's the flurry of blows attacks that we're watching. It's hard to hit people in the air. That one hits. The next one. The next one hits. She's going to burn another key point for two more. That one misses. And the next one hits. So she lands three hits while she's up there, but she does uh, five strikes. She jumps in the air, and her fists and her feet are just a complete blur as she spins. It's almost like that spin move that Link does with his sword, except they're all melee attacks. Uh, as she as she's up there and she boom, cut cuts them out at the feet basically or at, uh, at the at the arms I guess where they're holding onto the rope. The first two attacks are on Barry. She's going to roll some damage. Six plus three is nine. Uh, Barry uh, takes nine points of damage, which brings the homie to a total of whatever thirty eight plus nine is. Uh, 47. 47 points of damage. Ooh, and Barry plummets off the wall as she oh, kicks hey. his kicks nice his hands job, free. What's your face? And his unconscious body falls, 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 whooshes right past the airship and just kind of flutters down. I mean, she kicked him way too hard for him to fall straight down. So the, the spinning kick kind of knocks him off. Even as she lands the second kick, her fists are lashing out towards Barry uh, in the middle here and she's going to get one attack that lands on Barry. That attack is going to hit four. I'd like to imagine that the that when Barry was kicked off, it was like a Smash Bros out. 
You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's like this big, you know, energy yeah. blasts up from the ground. Game Alan sees up. it from the verticulator. <laughs> really what happens is Alan and everyone's in the verticulator, and then you hear this Wilhelm scream go by. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Coming up. Um, Mockery hits Barry for, or I guess this is just Barry. Sorry. Hits Barry for nine points of damage with a single strike, and then comes back down, and she's going to roll an acrobatics to stick the landing. 18 on the die, she sticks the landing. Um, and she's going to keep herself on the immovable object of the book for the moment so that she can continue her, her vertical attacks on the other turns. Um, and that brings us to another Bart. of our, our saboteurs uh, named Bart. Bart is up at the top of the steel cable anchoring the reticulator to the ceiling. Bart's got the machine in place. It's revved up. It's going. We're going to roll. And another zzzz, and this time the shockwave that comes down the line is a little bit stronger than than uh, the one before was, Alan. Um, oh, it, no. They're becoming noticeable, noticeably jittery. It's not a micro jitter anymore. It's just like a trembling in the line where it just kind of keeps trembling as the reticulator rattles on upwards. Uh, yep. Uh, someone does not want us to reach the top of this. Uh, that is quite worrying uh, the next person's turn in initiative order here is the shadow creature shadow. the shadow creature right next to FP62 is going to whirl around at I imagine the same time no gaming con nobody has died that's not true one person has died uh, Barry has died um, <laughs> the uh, shadow creature whirls around to attack FP62 and is going to just launch into uh, another knife attack now that we're up close um, going to attack with that. Let's roll to hit. And this is going to be a... That's an 18 plus 8 is 26. Yeah, that hits. 26 is going to hit, and then it's going to make its full multi-attack, but I'll do damage for each one, one at a time. So that's uh, 8 points of piercing damage um, from the, the first attack. Let's roll again to hit. The next one is a 15 to hit. Uh, 15 does not hit. Okay, the 15 misses. And then it's going to go for a third attack. And that one is a 17. I'm sorry, an 18. 18 to hit. 18 hits. Okay, 18. Uh, so that one's another hit. So that's going to be... Sorry, I've lost my place. Uh... Nine points of damage. Uh, nine, uh, nine FP is going to use his uh, evasion to take half damage on that nine hit points. Sounds good. Uh, FP is going to take half damage from that. Um, you know, you're up close and personal, so FP's you know servers come come to life and and kind of evasive action is triggered as as an algorithm kind of recognizes the attack pattern. Um, and the shadow creatures multi attack ends, which um, brings us to the conclusion of its turn. And brings us to Trevor, who's Jeb. Jeb. All right. Jeb's going to use his bonus action to um, have the hand of Jebediah smash into Barry. Okay. Um, that's going to be... Actually... They've got a big rock fist on one side, and then they've got Mockery literally at eye level punching them on the other side. 
They're in between a rock and a mockery. It's gonna so. it's gonna open its hand and it's just gonna push him. <laughs> okay. We need to make a contested uh, strength check. Cool. He's going to make it a disadvantage because he's repelling off of a rope. Okay. Oh, he's on a rope. I thought he was hanging onto a ceiling or something. They repelled into, like, through one of the, the openings that an airship or a dragon might come through. Oh, well, if he pushes him, it's just going to swing. That's not going to, like, it's just going to, like, push him on a, that's not going to do anything. Um... Oh, okay. It's gonna it's gonna grab the rope and snap it. What do I need to do for that? Just like, boom, yank it out of the ceiling. Uh, just roll a strength check for it. All right, that's good. Yeah, it has a strength of some ungodly number, right? Like twenty something. Yeah, it's like twenty six. Nice. Um, that's a ten plus eight, so twenty eight or sorry, eighteen strength just to yank this thing out of the ceiling. Uh, I'm gonna roll a tension die unless it rolls a complication. This works. All right, with a and a snap, the next person falls. This one does fall almost straight down uh, and lands on the deck of the airship. That is uh, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45 feet of fall damage minus the 10 is 35, so we're going to do 3d6 of fall damage. 6, 10, 6. Uh, 16 total points of damage which brings them to what is that 33 33 33 total points of damage and Barry is on the deck um, during a Jip's turn Zop is going to yell out Zop can you get a little bit closer uh, okay and Jeb just kind of like wildly gestures to this big shadow creature in front of him and uh, the hand is going to move down here below Barry in between Mockery. Okay. And uh, oh, to like to guard Mockery, basically. Kind of. Yeah. It's, I mean, it can't, it's just going to move into that position. It's not actually doing a thing, but okay. It's uh, it's just moving into position. Um, and then so that's Jeb's bonus action. Right. Um. Then he's going to pull out the blunderbuss and slap uh, a there's a there's a special shell that he has packed that is uh it's kind of translucent and there's like this swirling purple mist stuff in it um, and he's going to shoot the shadow creature with it. Um, that is a. Lot of character sheets to juggle. Uh, 19 to hit. 19 hits. All right, it takes 3d6 psychic damage as this mind sliver shoots through its head. Okay. Um, which is eight points of psychic damage. Okay. And on its next saving throw, it's going to subtract a d4 from its next saving throw as it is jarred. Um, by this mind sliver. Cool. The odds are good that I'll forget that, so you might need to remind me. Um, but I'll do my best. Uh... Move 5, 10, 15. Um, that's as far as he can go without provoking an attack. What is Does the shadow creature get an attack of opportunity since FP is like in the same space as him and they're like 
kind of locked in stuff. It would, but I would make it roll at a disadvantage because of the difficulty. Yeah, Jeb's not going to do that then. Jeb's going to hang right there. I'm trying. I'm I'm a trying. I'm a trying. <laughs> Jeb, and... I just picture like Radford in this or uh, FP in the shadow creature in like hand to hand knife combat, and Jeb is like, I'm just gonna scooch right around. He's just like, yep, he's just of... like, like oh, going along, me, just, the, like, the shuffling rail. awkwardly around the side. Don't mind me, guys. I'm just a little it. bit over here. Pulls his hat um, a little bit over his head, you know, so you can't see his eyes. Just don't yep. mind me. <laughs> and uh, and then it's Radford's turn. And Jeb's going to say, do that thing where you immobilize it. He's weaker right now. And Radford is going to punch him with a fist. Do that thing where you immobilize it. Sure. Punches it. Um, and that is a 27 to hit. That's going to hit. Y'all have some really and good he's going box. to, he's go. Yeah. Yeah. Radford's a glass cannon. Um, he's going to dump some key points into this and do a stunning strike. Okay. It needs it needs to make a I think it's a constitution staving throw. Alright, it's gonna make a staving throw. Uh target must succeed a constitution saving throw, yes. And that's going to be a, that's an eight total. DC fifteen. Okay, and he also gets a negative D four on it. Okay, so, so it's a four. <laughs> yep, so he is stunned. Great. You cannot move this round. Okay. Automatically fails strengths and dex saves. Any attack rolls against it have advantage, and he is considered incapacitated. Great. And Radford is going to come over on this side and... Just kind of post up, and I'm going to hit two more times. And these are both going to be at, with a flurry of blows, these are both going to be at advantage. That's a 14 plus 10 to hit, 24. I'll go ahead and roll the next one. 17 plus 10 is 27 to hit. Yep. So that is 2d6 plus 12. Ooh, now I'm rolling good. Uh, five plus six plus 10 plus two, 23 points of damage. Crack, crack. Brings him to 93 points of total hit points taken, or total damage taken. Uh, as you, boom, punch it a couple more times and it kind of reels a little bit like stunned or, or flinching off of your first attack. That's actually all three of the attacks. Pow, pow, pow. 23 hit points. Uh, Radford is... That's already his bonus action. He's got a little bit of movement, but he's going to chill there. Um, yeah, that's my, that's Radford, sir. We're making, we're making some progress. Does it die? Did it die yet? Nope. Has it died? <laughs> that brings us to Riley in the initiative order. No. What, dear collective, will Riley be doing this turn? Riley, um, whose book is suspended in midair up above. Maybe I was say, to retrieve the book. No, I think Riley knows that that, 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 that that's strategically advantageous for what they're trying to do. Um, maybe Riley just Eldritch Blasts and does one dart at Barry up high and one dart at Barry down low. Too slow. 
Does that sound good um, to everybody? May I make a recommendation? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, no, no, we can't do magic over there. Never mind. Sorry. Never mind. They can do magic over there, right? Riley can do magic, right? Yeah, feet, uh, Riley's within 100 feet yeah. of Jeb. Oh, but so does the spell effect effect have to be within 100 no. feet? No, just no. the caster has to be within 100 feet. Oh, okay. Well, uh, Riley would like to, to, I think she would like to cast plant growth up Ooh. around uh, Barry and, sorry, Bart and Barometer. Oh. Oh, Interesting. oh, oh, enchanté. Uh, a barometer is not French, just so we're clear. <laughs> uh, where's plant growth? Does she, does oh wait, she, does she have no? Plant that doesn't. Growth? She does, but that doesn't. That doesn't do what I thought it did. There's spike I was gonna, growth. I, I was hoping it would. No, no, she's it says she's got plant growth level three, unless that's just a. Uh, oh, you're right. I found a, it. I found it. I found it. But that doesn't do it. I, thought, I was I was thinking it would entangle around it, but you, it takes an existing plant and grows it. Gotcha. Uh, but she could cast wind wall right across them and that machinery, and just oh. blow them clean off of the thing. Yeah, that would be good. I'm looking. 120 foot range. Uh, a wall of strong wind rises from the ground at a point you choose within range. It's you can farther make the than wall. Uh, 120. It's farther than 120 feet from her. Yeah. She could probably fly That's... over a little bit. Holy crap! That's well, why I needed Jeb to a... move to get yeah. 120 in range. Yeah. If she doesn't have a because hover speed, I need. she would fall at the end of her turn. Uh, or she nope. You're right. Man, that's that's a tough that's a tough all right. Well I tried. Sorry, I'll go back to my three characters. <laughs> uh, okay then for so, no, the Eldritch the Eldritch Blast. For now it's the Eldritch it's the two Eldritch Blasts. Great. Julia, I don't think you've rolled for Riley yet, have you? Why don't you roll the attacks? It's a plus eight to whatever you roll in D twenty for the attacks. We got a 19 on the die, which is a 27. That's a hit. And a 19 on the die, which is a 27. That one's nice. That one's also a hit. And then it's a it's 1d10 per each attack on the per dart. I don't think I have a d10. Can you roll that for me? Yeah, I'll roll those. We roll those. High berry takes seven force damage. Low berry takes eight force damage. Great. Uh, high berry and low berry took eight. Yep. Uh, low berry perishes. Barishes nice. on the uh, deck of the ship there. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I, I turned the little mini Lowberry indeed. I'm sorry nice. that you can't see the map. It just is too expansive for it to make any sense. Yeah, to there's a you. lot. There's a lot going um, on. But it is fun. Maybe next time we'll we'll invite like chat as observers. Like I'll just put the link to Owlbear up there, and you can come in and yeah. just not interact with anything. That's what, what I should. What I actually what I actually uh, think is that also these little guys that uh, Wash designed, we should, or I I I want to make stickers out of them. And put them on things because they're cute. Hey, that's a good idea. They would be great little stickers. 
Chat, yeah. imagine how great it would be if you could see what we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that concludes Riley's turn and brings us to Barry's Barry. turn. All right, so there's only one Barry left. A Barry who's up there with the hand of Jeff. The final Barry. And Mockery, uh, both, like, within striking distance. That Barry is going to... Ooh, a berry on the vine. That. He needs to be plucked. <laughs> <laughs> He's berry ripe. It's time for him to be plucked. Man, you know, if, if, if my hand would have just like swatted him, he would have just been like swinging around like a tetherball for the next hour. <laughs> Man, remember playing tetherball in elementary school? Fun game. That and Foursquare. Yeah. yeah. I was good at tetherball because I was so tall. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Clara, you need to make a constitution save. So oh does my. Mockery. Um, is it a save save? against a spell or magical effect? It is. Nice. Uh, Mockery succeeded on hers. Your DC to beat is 15. Got a 17 on the die and a great personality. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, we good. So you also succeed. So you take I think you have my D8. Can you roll 2D8? <laughs> you gonna make me roll my own damage? Yeah. <laughs> oh my. You said 2D8? Yes. You said 2D. <laughs> Three and a two. Five points of damage. Mm -hmm. uh, you and Mockery both take five points of damage, but are not pushed ten feet as uh, Barry drops a cipher of Thunder Wave, which goes off with a super loud kaboom that kind of reverberates Ooh. around. Alan for sure hears that down in the Verticulator. This big Thunder Wave rolls through the, the cavernous space. Um, and Barry, having dropped that, is going to tug on his rope once, and it's going to pull him upwards and out of uh, out of combat and out of the the cavern. There, as he decides Coward. to go back up to get help or flee, one of those two. I things. really wish my hand of Jebediah would get an attack of opportunity, but that's not a thing. Uh, so Barry, Barry is with us no longer. Um, there is that however, Barry is wise. There is, however, barometer, uh, and barometer is still doing barometer's thing uh, over here at the top of the reticulator cable. We're going to roll another siege machine with a you hear the motor actually get like a loud snap that reverberates across the cavern to those of you on the cugboat. I'm gonna roll a tension die. Uh, Owlin, this time it's like a release of tension kind of single sine wave that like flutters down the, the verticulator cable. Ah, once we reach the next landing point, maybe we don't get back on until we feel better about what's going on. Uh, okay, and that will conclude the berries. Um, Barry 33 is dead, so we can skip Barry 33. Yep. <laughs> 
Uh, which brings um, us to Zup. So I have, I just want to ask a question, Josh. Yeah. This I'll is the, the, the circle represents the the entire spell that I want to cast. Would that count as hitting the two on the edges or not count as hitting the two guys it on the edges? It would only hit Barometer, but it would not hit Bart or the machine. What about Brutus? Yes, it would hit Brutus. Okay. So then Zop is going to fly out. Uh, I think it was... Where's that point? Okay. So he's going to fly out 15 feet. Okay. And he's going to cast... Um, let me pull up the spell. Uh, Sickening Radiance. It is... Ooh. A 120-foot range with a 30-foot radius. Um, centered on a point I choose within range. Um, the light spreads around corners and it lasts until the spell ends. When a creature moves into the spell's area for the first time on a turn or starts its turn there, that creature must succeed on a con saving throw or take 4010 radiant damage, suffer one level exhaustion, and emit a dim greenish light in a 5-foot radius. This light makes it impossible for the creature to benefit from being invisible. The light and any levels of exhaustion caused by this spell go away when the spell ends. Ooh. Uh, you Very may have nice. to remind me of all those things, like, when it happens. I will probably only yeah. remember that they need to make a con save at the beginning of their yeah. turn. Um, yep, yep, yep. But that's that's dope. Uh, so Zop kind of flies out there. And then are you flying back to the, the Cugboat? Yes. Cool. Um, and that concludes Zop's turn and brings us to Clara Albuquerque. Albuquerque is frantically reading her spell list. I like the idea that Clara found her spell list in Riley's book. Like, it's immovable <laughs> in place, but you made it immovable, like, open to a certain page. This so is actually a pretty great read. Mockery's, I'm learning a lot today. Mockery's standing on the binding, and you're underneath reading the writing. <laughs> okay. Not unlike what we're actually doing in order to play as Riley. <laughs> <laughs> there is still a shadow creature over here by Jebediah Peppermint. Is there that is. Correct? That is that is correct. All right. I think. All right. You two, like, little flutterbugs, you're good down here? Are you okay? Yeah, we're good. I was not talking to you. I knew you was good. Okay. Oh, okay, good. Um, <laughs> I saw. I know you were good. Um, okay. Um,. Clara is gonna join the the wash gang. How the we washed over masses. Here, the gaggle, as it were. Um, and I have no idea if it's gonna work on this big ugly guy. Well, here's what we're well, gonna do. Well, you better try. do it. All right, you. What do you call a dragon in a <laughs> silk gown? It's a kimono dragon. <laughs> um, and I am going to do. This activates her breath weapon, uh, which is Tasha's hideous laughter. And I'm very grateful to have found that the wisdom save for it is actually 18, Josh. All right. Here's the roll. With the mods, it's not enough. Uh, <laughs> the shadow creature. Uh, it doesn't have a voice box in the way that 
normal humanoids have voice boxes. So it's not a laugh. It's more like a guttural rasp that comes out regularly. Like, oh, so it, it is like, laughing? Yeah. Like it's trying? That's Tasha's hideous laughter, isn't it? It, it is. No, laugh. I thought you said it wasn't enough, but you meant for him. No, I I'm meant with the you. creature is not equipped with oh the tools goodness. to laugh. Oh, my goodness. Big ugly. But it thinks your joke is funny, I guess. Um, I slay around here. Uh, yeah. And that is that. Is that. Um, Just as a reminder for everybody else, every time it takes damage, it gets a chance to redo the throw, the, the save, uh, as well as at the beginning of its turn. So if you hit it, it's going to get another chance to snap out of it. Is one of these lights on the side of the boat? I see one yes. in the midsection. Yeah, if you zoom out, you can see the elevation as well. All right, like, so you can see elevation. Okay, I am going to maybe put that right in the middle. Okay. Um, so are there people? moving dancing lights. Clara commits one of her dancing lights. She gets it off the stabilizing fin to the side of the cug boat and brings it up and just, like, front and center on the, the main deck. It's just kind of right in the middle. A little easier to cross the space. Um... All right. You need me to move any of these? Are you okay? Uh, we just need him to die. But right. yes, you're you're, you're doing you're well, doing I great. Slay. Good. Um, that's <laughs> good it for, job for Clara. <laughs> well, I slay. It was a, it was a good joke. Uh, okay, and that brings us to Bob and Brutus, who are beginning their turn uh, within the the sphere. Well, Brutus is beginning his turn in the sphere, so he needs to make a con save. He's gonna yes. make it. And then I'll tell you how he does, and you can tell us what, if anything, happens to him. Uh, that's a 12 on the die, plus 2 is 14. That fails, so he's going to take 40, 10 radiant damage and suffer one level of exhaustion. Okay. Uh, those are the important things. He's also going to emit a greenish light in a 5-foot radius, and it makes it impossible for him to become invisible if that's an ability he has. Great. Radioactive, radioactive. Get that 40 so, 10. Whoa, yep. oh, oh. He is going to take 22 points of damage. 22 points of damage. Um, he, like, it's radiant, right? Um, I would sure it's radiant damage. It, it is for this turn. Uh, yeah, radiant. Takes the it's radiant. radiant damage, he, like, squints and throws up a hand to try and cover his eyes. And, like, oh, what is that? What, what is this green? It, I can't even when I close my eyes, it's green. Because he's emitting green light. Uh, and. He, he has that level of exhaustion. Uh, he's feeling weary. He's feeling almost like this sphere is centered above him, and so it feels almost like it's pressing down on him at the machine. But he's still going to kind of move and like, I'm going to give it a go. And he kind of like shoves the saw blade forward, basically trying to push. It's almost like a chainsaw type machine. So he's just trying to push it through the steel cable. He's going to roll at disadvantage because he has a layer of exhaustion or a level of exhaustion, I should say. And at disadvantage, that is a seven on the die, which is not enough. And so with the exhaustion, he's like, I can't, I can't do this by myself, Bob. Um, Bob, however, does not have a level of exhaustion and is right next to him. Bob is going to roll his own. And Bob, he also is actually unable to do it. Maybe they're pushing it together. And he's like, Brutus, without you, you know, and he like, you know, they, they, he's got to reset. He got to like plan his feet, get ready and kind of get ready to shove a little better and that brings us back to bruiser's tune bruiser said he was waiting 15 seconds so this turn he is waiting to hear back from uh bradford street is he doing anything in the cockpit while he waits to hear back um well i guess 15 seconds would be in the middle of the turn so he would spend just let's say he gets one action is that fair well six plus six is 12 seconds oh i see what you mean yeah sure 
Okay, so then he would just start moving. He would move, make his 30 feet towards uh, the boiler. Okay, um, that's fine. Um, he gets into the ship, and next round he can get to the boiler room. Okay. Um, so that's that's so he basically there's a hatch in the back of the cockpit which he quick flips open and he starts going down this ladder that's really just like iron loops coming out of the front of the hull and he's kind of lowering himself down there until he can get to the lowest of the three decks on the cutboat. Um, he pushes yep. through a storage area that's still pretty dusty and full of junk, although now there are some additions of uh, big briefcases of wingle digits that have been stowed since they were uh, stolen by the group, as well as some other supplies from Four Guys HQ. So there's dusty things and there's fairly new things. So he kind of pushes his way through those to get to the boiler room door, um, and you'll be able to go through it on your next turn. That brings us back to the top of initiative order. Jake, how far up uh, the reticulator are Alan and friends. You said it was three rounds three per rounds level? Per tier, and you needed nine rounds total. So since we last spoke, I don't know how many rounds it's been. That's a great question that I could have been keeping track of. I think it's been three, but I- I think that sounds wrong. right. Okay. Uh, so yes, no, yes. Yeah, because we talked about how it was gonna be one more round and then and then they were gonna ship, switch. Okay. Um, so, but Al, Alan mentioned uh, like, yeah, it, you know, uh, Perhaps we should not take the next uh, reticulator up until we feel more confident in the fact that it won't be cut down. Does that? I, I think that that sounds reasonable. Fox trembling shakes his head in agreement. <laughs> okay, so they're on on the eighth tier. Is that what they're on now? The eighth tier. Uh, um, yes. Eight, on the eighth tier, they're they're going to step out and then kind of take stock of see if maybe from the gemstone hall or like maybe if they are able to step out are they able to spot more of what's going on and get and, and help at all sure so kind of you, a thing. Can't, you can't see any of the details of what's happening up above you it's still more than 200 feet away and it's a dark mm-hmm. space but there are some light emitting things so you can see dancing lights kind of fluttering back and forth around where you're pretty sure the cug boat is just these small mm-hmm. little pinpricks of, of white light that are glowing up there you can hear um, the the sounds of the machines now. You're close enough that you can hear a distant zzz, and you can also hear the thrusters of the tugboat, that dull roar that of a, a rocket thruster that's kind of igniting. Mm-hmm. And then you can also see there's just this huge radiant sphere of green that's centered above the reticulator. Um, and it's just barely, not barely, but it's poking about halfway off the over the roof. So you can mm-hmm. see like a hemisphere, basically, of this big green ball of light. Um, and those are the things that, that are immediately apparent to you. You also, from time to time, hear like a little shifting of stone that you, know, you kind of associate with Hand of Jeb. Um, okay. But those are those are the, the informations you get. As you're standing there, um, you see like civilians are on the, the walkways looking up as well, trying to figure out what's happening up there. One of them goes, someone fell right past here from up there. Hmm. I, I would advise to stay back from the reticulators. I, I believe someone is attempting to sabotage its structural integrity. Um, so... Uh, until things calm down up there, I would not use I would not use the particulars to go up or down. Uh, you hear the shrieking of dragons fighting up above the the cave structure in the in the night sky. Um, Alan and Gunner, I guess, because those are the people I have control with control over, uh, are going to focus on like, all right, let's get into kind of a protected position where we can kind of hear what's going on, just kind of be on our guard and wait until it sounds like things calm down, and then hit the particulator again. Okay, because um, we we just don't want to risk getting cut, getting chopped down, basically. Yeah, that makes sense. 
uh, your other option would be to try and like go to the edge and go up like the staircases in the residential areas, but it'd be a long run over the you know like the exposed walkways to get there. Yeah, and hold, carrying the machine, I think just think that's dangerous because things could fall and yeah. Okay. Um, how many rounds do you think it would take to go up the stairs? More uh, than more than three per level, I would assume. Because yeah, it's, I mean it's a hundred feet, yeah. so you'd be you'd yeah be traveling. Well, no, I guess Alden could probably do that pretty quick, but not everybody could. I think Alden okay. could cover the ground and probably do it around the same pace. Alan can yeah. run up the stairs at the same speed as this particulator. That's funny. Uh, Al, but Alan doesn't want to do that. Alan would rather protect the people that he's with because we have the machine. Because that's so, what do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the plan right now is like keep, an, keep eyes and ears out. And if and if it sounds like things calm down, hit the hit the particulator. Okay, great. Um, as, as Alan is just kind of taking up this protective position and, you know, he's there, there are like, you know, scared civilians are asking you like, what's going on down on the, on the lower tiers and what's happening down there. And there's, you know, just basically the, the civilians here are trying to figure out what's happening. And Alan is the closest resource. Yeah. Um, we are uh, Al- Alan will, will do his best to like briefly fill in, like pretty much just as bad as up here. <laughs> um, <laughs> FP62, we are at the top of initiative order. There is a shadow creature directly in front of you, still up here by the cockpit of the Cugboat, up here near the prow. It is barely still up here, because as I understand, it is prone laying on the ground, laughing. It is. And also well, stunned from Radford. Well, yes. same difference, but, um, it's and then, but it is also still stunned. In order for it to laugh. Um, but it's it stunned does not end until its turn, like its next turn. But its turn has passed, is what I'm saying. It, we passed its turn before Bob and Brutus because it was laughing. So Clara made it uh, laugh, and then it had a turn. Okay, your call. I think. Uh, okay, so it I is it is wrong, prone whatever. then. Yeah, it is prone uh, no, and fine. incapacitated. So FP is going to holster the rifle real quick and pull out his scimitar and okay. just gut go for go for the coup de gras. All right, you have advantage because he's prone and all the other reasons. I rolled a 15. And then? And then I rolled a 20. Let's yes. go! Plus 10 for a total Ooh, of 30. Let's go! Nat 20! Uh, which means he's going to take 12d6. Hold on. What's his uh, scimitar? I think his scimitar is only a d6. So he's going to take 14d6 of Holy damage. Cow. Describe the kill, including the strange sensory effect as it dissolves back into chaos energy. Um... I think he is going to take the opportunity, like, as it falls, he's going to kind of do a handstand back and just, like, blade down, lunge at it, and just slice it from from toe up to head, just straight through it. Um, and I'm curious, Josh, yeah. with, this, uh, with this chaos energy that bursts out of it and FP having been animated by an arcane battery or arcane reactor thing that the Abolus made. Is there any weird chaos energy effect that uh, that happens to FP? You ask great questions. That's enough for me to clear the tension pool. Is is he a real boy? Is he a real boy? <laughs> does he does his heart grow three t- three sizes today? Something happens. Give me a sec. We've rolled a complication for those of you listening along. Oh, uh, I wanted a cool application, not a complication. A cool application. Hey-o. 
I this wanted a, a, natural a natural 20, 20 just happened. Yeah. a natural 20 complication for using chaos energy to make something neat happen to FP. I didn't say that FP doesn't get something cool, but wherever cool. lots of magic happens at once. It's complicated. I mean, we're messing with the plane of limbo here. Okay. How low can you go, am I right? He can now bend at his <laughs> knees and just walk. Uh, okay. Here is, here is what happens. First, FP, you feel, uh, which I guess by itself is weird, uh, you feel uh, in your chest a strange mechanism of some kind uh as you are um transmuted from a construct to a humanoid uh and size category medium Ooh. you lose whatever um damage immunities and vulnerabilities being a construct of metal mm -hmm. gave you um as you become statistically equivalent to the race human um, for your, your base racial stats. At the same time, uh, those of you around FP62, which is quite an audience, uh, Radford, Jebediah, Clara, uh, the three of you are all with um, FP trying to kill this shadow creature, and so you have front row seats to the dexterity saves you get to make as this huge pulse of bluish white light races across FP's body and emanates outwards. How did you all do on your dexterity saves? Uh, Jeb got an 18 plus some things. We need to know what are things. his things. Yes, I'm flipping pages. No, I just Please meant hold. like an 18 on the die yep. is not sufficient. 18, okay, nine, Jeb got a 19. Okay. Um, and I think this is spooky enough that he is going to use his reaction with the Rod of Luck and use his second charge Just today to, to succeed. Okay. Yeah, to succeed. Yep. Uh, dirty 20. Okay. Radford got a natural one, but he does have... Um, he does have the monk thing, like evasion or whatever it is that takes that makes him take half damage if he uh, fails a deck save. Okay, so but that we'll, doesn't. We'll it, give him yeah. full damage instead of double damage for his. For okay, because it's a natural one. Yeah. Okay. Um, this pulse of bluish white light ripples across FP's body. It starts at the seams, and then as the seams knit together, and he becomes this humanoid form. Um, almost like Vision in the Marvel movies where he's like, he's not really Ooh. any specific like race or body. Like he's a synthetic humanoid colored. almost. Yeah, he's still yeah. copper colored. His eyes are still that weird teal blue um, with little flecks of red in the irises. Um, he's high def. And, and this whole thing, so, so this blue kind of like ripples over him through the seams and then it starts to just wash across his body and you actually hear like the, the sound waves as this huge pulse of arcane energy just blasts out of him and you take
you take 27 points of uh of force damage as just this boom big shockwave ripples outwards bruiser on your way down to the boiler room you're in the storage mm-hmm. room when the whole cug boat is rocked by this massive shockwave of some kind up by the prow and it dips and it dips weird to where the thrusters, which were aimed down to stabilize you, begin straining against the anchor as it's trying to propel itself forwards at a 45-degree angle up and away from the walkway that it's anchored to. You hear and feel the as the anchor slams into the walkway, and for the moment, the walkway holds as the chain goes taut and the 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 airship it's not like the thrusters are moving any higher but what would have just been enough to hover before is now sending you forwards and you fear that if it is not corrected quickly the cugboat will begin pulling downwards and nose into the walkway um because that energy has nowhere else to go like the chain that's yeah. taut is going to work like the center of a centrifuge and it's going to slam yep. itself down if you can't get back to the cockpit in time Owlin, down below you see um, if you've ever seen a wormhole in any science fiction movie where it's like the light condenses and then just a big circular ripple of blue on like a horizontal plane just blasts out from the third tier, bright enough that it's imprinted on your eyes even when you close them for a few seconds. And it just ripples out in every direction. And then all the sound in the uh, in the cavern city of Gaim is silent for a little while as your ears are ringing. And um, FP you feel actually pretty good in fact you feel like you're at full hp um in case you weren't as like your whole self has been altered um but everybody else is not feeling so great clara has a hand up yes clara so everybody else took the 27 damage but not fp got it right um yeah, so FP, you did you did not take that damage. And Jeb did not take any damage. Jeb saw something happening, didn't know what it was, and decided to just rely on the luck of the draw. And um, you basically... Uh, <laughs> Jeb grabs the rod, and then before he has a chance to activate the charge consciously, he sees a penny on the deck. And he bends over <laughs> to get the penny, and the shockwave ripples <laughs> past him. Oh, uh, wingle digit. <laughs> yeah, or like a spare wingle digit or something. No, it's. I think it's a penny. It's like a just a straight-up shilling. Yeah. You know, like a... <laughs> just from, from like the... Uh, for, yeah, because it's an old ship. Um, And so you... Yeah, you like bend over. You find a shilling. You you feel like the, the hat, you know, ripples in the, in the energy of the shockwave. <laughs> and then Jeb stands up again and and there's fp in front of you um this new strange humanoid creature target destroyed target target is everyone okay i'm feeling a little destroyed myself fp (laughs) you uh have always worn i believe common clothes over your fancy clothes is that right that is that is correct your fancy clothes are now imprinted on your body like a tattoo. Oh. So you're only wearing common clothes. And if you ever take them off, you are wearing a full tattoo of fancy clothes at all times. Interesting. I feel different. Fancy. But <laughs> dapper is a word that comes to mind. Bradford, do I look dapper? Oh, man. Hold on. I can't see. Let me... I let my eyes adjust. What's uh? What happened? I. I do not know, but. I feel like I am 
one step closer to the edge. Getting a life. Mm -hmm. Do I have a life now? FP, you've always had a life. Now you gotta just make sure it's worth it. I will endeavor to do so. Thank you. And he looks down at the shadow creature, or like the remains, and says thank you to it. Well, the shadow creature erupted into some kind of sense oh, no, of strangeness. I... Yeah, he, he's looking at where it was, like the, the big, sure. uh, the scorch mark yeah, from yeah. around the side, like the, the place that's not scorched. I was not anticipating a life-changing moment, but here we are. We shall make it worth it, will we not? And he pulls out his... Does he still have, like, his gear? Like, is his rifle still there with him and his other stuff? Anything that was built into his body, he doesn't have anymore. But the rifle, he does. Okay. Okay. Um, I think he's going to focus on his new body for a second. Can he, like, manifest a cape? Like a... Well, you know what? Roll charisma, and if you nat 20, it'll let you manifest a cape. Here we go. (laughs) Never say never in D&D. That's not true. No, it's a 14. That's a 14. Uh, Nope. You see see him, he actually scrunches up his face, (laughs) you know? And, like, he closes his cerulean eyes and scrunches up his face, and he's like... And he looks at his shoulder and goes, Oh, I'm a little disappointed. Maybe next time. I can tell you one thing, honey. This is not boring. Unfortunately, the complication I rolled as everyone took in the moment here was such that um, the the shock of this shockwave prevented anybody from taking any actions this round, except the villains who were not nearby to the point of origin and who are trying to saw through the reticulator cable. And with a loud you see another big thread of the, or I guess the first, this is the first big thread that you've seen literally fall from the ceiling and begin Did Barometer uh, make a save? Uh, no, he didn't. I'll roll that for him too. Um, if Brutus and Barometer, or if Brutus stays there, he's going to take it again. Barometer will take it for the first time. Okay. Um, barometer failed, so he takes it for the first time. Brutus did succeed this time. Um, so so he does take the level of exhaustion and he takes some damage, but there's a huge... Um, uh, basically, you know, this, this big steel cable, it's like braided, so one of the braids has just spiraled away um, and is now kind of hanging limply from the ceiling. The whole pendulum shifts a little bit and combined... In fact, I need to roll another tension die for this. Combined with the momentum of the cugboat pulling away... No, it is not enough to to break the walkway, but there's like some weird structural forces happening that were not intended for the tenth tier of Gaim. Um, uh, do the the does the reticulator gang see this happen? The uh, you see the cable spiral and you hear it. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh. Cool. That's good to know. Yep. Uh, the next round we'll see the king and like the other people who are following you get out of the reticulator on on your tier so everyone will okay. barometer takes tier. 25 radiant damage and has one point of exhaustion great barometer. and did you roll um 
I didn't Brutus roll damage. At, um, Brutus at disadvantage. Uh, oh, no, I didn't roll him at disadvantage. Because I think one level exhaustion is disadvantage on ability checks, right? But isn't this a save? Well, he not 20 and he got a 19. So oh, okay. he's still going to succeed. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So that's that piece. Uh, and then that brings us to, it is Mockery's turn in initiative order. She is still like shocked and slightly taken aback at the sight of FP as a human. So she's going to skip her turn um, and just kind of delay and, and watch for things. Uh, Bart is another saboteur. He's going... He is not in the sphere of greeniness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a 16 on the die, there's more progress. as the, the the saw is now beginning to cut into pretty serious substance of the cable here. Um, and the next person in initiative order is dead. It was a shadow creature, so skip that. So Jeb, Radford, and then Riley will all be up next. Um, did it skip their turns? I thought you said it skipped their turns this, this Yeah, round. this is the next round of initiative. Oh, okay. My bad, my bad. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, uh, okay, Jeb is going to run. Five, 10, oh, you're also at 45 15. degree angle, I guess. We should have specified that. The Cugboat is, you know, 45 degrees. Okay. Leaning. Can I can I still get the hand of Jebediah down to where Jeb is? Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna bring the hand down and Jeb's gonna jump onto it. Okay. Um and uh and then he's gonna ride it back a little bit, like get about twenty feet. He's heading as like up there. He's heading uh, uh cool. to to the cable he's to get over there the as, as soon as possible. Yeah. Great. Uh okay. So that's that's Jeb's turn. You can figure out what that distance is and move him. Yep, I'll do it. Uh and then Radford is also it's his turn as well. Yep. Uh two turns next to each other. We can see challenging thing to do. We overlooked something, which is that uh Bruiser was not outside for the shockwave, so he would have gotten to take an action last round. So the the question is, did Bruiser go back to the cockpit to try and correct the angle? Or is he going to go and try and work on that engine failure that he that he heard and B Street not? Uh, he's going to go work on the the angle. Um, there's okay. a there's a com outside, right? Um, there's a oh, you mean like to the main deck? Yeah. Uh, I don't think there is. Um, but there's a door right behind you. You could real quick open the door and yell out to. Them. Okay, so he would go back up and yell, "Someone go check the boiler room. I got to fix the ship correction." And then. Go begin ahead and roll uh, your, your vehicle check for me. Yep. Oh, another natural 20. Natural 20. Uh, Bruiser knows his machinery, and even with this one engine that's like not performing the way it should, you are able to um, fix the angle of the ship, bring it back into kind of a resting position, and you even compensate enough that you put slack back in the anchor chain. Um, so that the the anchor should be easy to release and and reel back in when it's time to leave. Uh, now, Wash, if you want to tell us what Radford is doing, Jeb's uh, hand of Cole swoops down, or hand of Jeb swoops down and picks him up, and he he begins his his departure up into the air towards the saboteurs. What is Radford up to? He's gonna yell through the door to the cockpit. Bruce, are you cool? You need anything? 
Uh, Breeze yells back, go to the boiler room. Someone's messing with things down there. Okay. Okay, I'm going. And he's going to start heading down the boiler room. He's going to use, uh, like, how, how far can he get with his movement? He's got 50 feet of movement. Uh, he can get to the boiler room if he goes through the cockpit, but he can't get into the boiler room. So he can basically get as far as, as Bruiser had, where he's in the storage room, he's standing at the door, but he has not opened the door, he's not in the room yet. Okay. Um, so he's going to try and open the door. Like, is the door stuck or something? No, I just mean it's closed and it's at the, the 50 feet. Okay, so yeah, he's just going to rip the door open. What does he see? He rips the door open. He sees B Street uh, laying on the ground his uh, lumberjack's axe near him. Um, B Street appears to be breathing, but unconscious. And he sees uh, the left side thruster of the Cugboat, the port side, I should say, um, has, like, the the system of, of wingle digit feeding, like the hopper and the hotlines that feed power to it, has just been ripped completely out of the engine. It doesn't look like it was done, like, mechanically. It looks like it was slashed with something, which is why there's a little bit of intermittent power leaking through, but it's mostly spilling out arcane energy into the room in just a shower of weirdly colored sparks. Bruiser! Something's wrong. The the big up and down thing, is, it's been cut and it's fallen, and there's things going everywhere. Lots of light. The stuff that just blinded us up top, it's like... It appears to run on some form of magical energy. I don't know what's going on, man. But it's really bad. Um... Would F... Would Bruiser know if FP has a working knowledge of mechanisms? No, Bruiser probably wouldn't know that. Oh, you know what? He did spend a while with FP. Sure, he would know that. Okay. Uh, get get FP to help you. Okay, FP. FP I'm gonna the clear deck, the room. His face. <laughs> Trying to grow a cape. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna clear the room a little bit. Come down here and see if you can figure out what's going on. And um, I think I'm going to do two things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with uh, Bradford, I'm going to bonus action patient defense. Uh. Yes, bonus action, pa- action, patient defense in the doorway, and I would like to use my action this turn to make a perception check and see if I can see any danger in there. Like, I feel like I've got a, a lay of the scene, but something cut it. Yeah. It was either B Street and he was, like, possessed or something, or there is some sort of dangerous thing in here. Can you just yeah. hand through there and see what's going on? Go ahead and roll your perception. That is a 16 plus some things. Perception. 19. You don't see anything. Dang it. I don't see anything. Dang it. All right. And he's just, he's just got his, like, his hands up, but there's like, like the tattoo is just kind of like wavering. It's like this big claw that's just like up in front of him. And he's just, ready in case anything jumps out great and that's his turn it's riley's turn riley is like um um can can i have my book now (laughs) 
Uh, are we still trying to stop these reticulator guys, or are we like Alan's shoulder uh, angel just pops up on Riley's shoulder? I was gonna say, like, uh, I was I was gonna suggest I did some spell math, and even though these guys haven't moved, um, that are working on the reticulator, so maybe it's not the most useful thing. Riley could cast spike growth on either of the two pairs, like in a twenty foot, you know, um circle like you know it would be on either the ceiling or the ground that they're at um so that if they moved they would take damage do we think that that's worth casting if it can reach it will reach it's just that it it doesn't do any damage to them unless they move at least five feet um sorry i'm looking it up it creates difficult terrain like i think it's probably worth doing in case they Try to move to start attacking the people on the boat from range. It's just tough because that's the only anything over there. I think is helpful because there's okay. just so little we can do. Yeah, is there anybody that can needs to be healed up? Riley's our cleric. Uh, Clara oh, that's has a true. Hand up. Um, so maybe Riley actually flies I am in over the to the world of hurt. <laughs> okay, yeah. then yeah, Cla- uh, Riley can can heal Clara. Riley's move then. speed towards Clara. Um, uh, Riley only has a move speed of 20 according to the sheet, so... What about the fly speed, be... though? Uh, you know, I don't know if there was I can tell you. an active writing of the fly speed <laughs> um, <laughs> on the side of Cleo. Uh, not essential for role-playing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's walking speed of 30. I don't know why she has 20. I don't know! <laughs> uh, flying... Oh, no, that's Bruiser. Wait, why is Bruiser flying? Oh no, he doesn't. Bruiser has wings. He has wings. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, walking speed of ten, flying speed of sixty. Yeah, that's so funny. Uh, and, yeah, where does the twenty wrote, come walking from? Walking speed of twenty and no fly speed. Exactly. Nailed it. Uh, five, ten, fifteen. Okay, 20, but Trevor 20, just 20, forgot 30, that Bruiser 30, had 30, wings 40, for a minute, 40, 40, so we're all not 50. doing great. Hey, there's there's a lot of characters to manage. All right, there's a lot <laughs> happening. Hey, you okay. the little, the shrimpy one. I could use some help. I'm, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. Uh, oh wait, does Riley have to land every time? Yes. Okay. I think on. it's right Five, around the dancing 10, light there. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45. Oh, wait, I'm bad at this. 60. There we go. Boom. Got it. Uh, yep. So Riley uh, flies down to the deck. Um, scoots over the dead body of Barry and <laughs> um, is is just rushing towards Clara. Doesn't quite make it this turn, but is is on the way to help. On um, the way to cure wounds. That's right. Barometer uh, needs to make a save. Yep. I'm at saved. disadvantage because Barometer has a layer of level of... Di- I don't know why I call them layers tonight. Has a level of disadvantage. And with a 16 on the die, I think that's going to be a success. It's a con save, right? Uh, that's a total of 18. Oh, dang. Yeah, that beats it. Okay. So Barometer passes the save and is going to continue machining away. This is with disadvantage. And even with disadvantage, this this machine up here is making real progress. This one probably has the brand new blade. The lower one is having trouble. Um, But this one, they're pushing away. And another another big snap, um, snapping noise. And we roll a complication uh, mm. as, as this cable um, breaks and another one spirals off of the verticulator. Um, there is a 
so as the as the cable rips off, it spirals because it's braided. So all of its energy comes out in concentric circles as it whips around. However, the speed at which it is whipping around causes it to get uneven. So instead of spiraling in a plane, a flat circle that's kind of descending the cable, it gets tilted and the huge braid of the cable lashes into the ceiling and dislodges a huge chunk of rock as all that tension slams into it. And this big <laughs> kind of slams down, this big chunk of rock from the ceiling slams down and it lands on the walkway. I'm going to roll. Actually, let's have uh, Jake is going to roll a d20 and Julia is going to roll a d20. And if Jake rolls lower than Julia, then the rock is going to go clean through the pathway um, and create a big gap there or a big, big bridge, like a, a big opening in the bridge. Uh, I hope I roll high. 12. 12 is higher than it looks like two. two. Yep. So, okay. So it just boom, slams into it, but the engineering here is good. Uh, Gaim is a, a place of master crafts people. And so is it after, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was say after bruiser is when the the second verticulator will will make it up and then uh yes. and then we'll be able to take the stairs. Yeah. All <laughs> I right. see you've you've made the decision. Well, yeah, it's like all right, we've seen two cables just it's like okay, not worth waiting, let's go. Gotcha. Uh How far down are they? We're two we're we're tier. on tier 8. Yeah, we got two two so tiers to go. Up. They need they need Run. a couple hundred yep. feet to the side and 200 feet up. So it's probably around, I would guess, probably 12 to 13 rounds, something like that, for them to make it, just to get to the edge yeah. of the tier and then back into the airship. Yeah. Fun. Fun indeed. Is that the end of Barry's turn? That is. It is Zop's uh, turn. Okay, so Zop is going to pull out um, a longbow which has a range of uh, 150 over 600, so I believe he can attack without disadvantage. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah, he can hit any of them. Um, so he's going to attack Barometer Okay. on the top first. That makes sense. Um, so AC that's to kind beat of is a 15. 14. Ah, man. So close. The arrow kind of misses and, and uh, bounces ding, bounces off of the machine that they're using to saw through. Dang. Um, I think that's it then. Okay. Clara Albuquerque, you could move the rest of the distance to Riley and get healing this turn if you want. I say Riley still has to be the one to cast. I know. I'm just saying that instead of Clara taking an action, we could give the action to because Riley didn't take an action on Riley's turn either. Mm. Um, oh, I should have dashed. What? <laughs> I thought you did. No, um, sixty feet is the fly speed. Some, sometimes you Dang. Get, Sometimes you just get confused. Those little oh, wheelings—they're no. zippy. They only have a ten-foot walking sometimes speed. Sometimes you. But put them in the air. Sometimes you pay stupid games. You get stupid. You win stupid prizes. <laughs> um, did I hear Radford? Um, exclaiming about what's going on downstairs or is that like in a communication device that just went to I think it was just being yelled up the stairs 
Okay. Yeah. So. All right. Um, then I am just going to get healed up. Um, thank goodness. You would not believe the day I am having. <laughs> uh, what what level of cure wounds do you want? <laughs> <laughs> what well, levels you got? <laughs> level I nine. Have, I have 10 hit points left. Uh, the choice is yours. <laughs> ah, we'll do we'll do a nice level three. Thanks, Bay. All right. I'll, hopefully, I can roll better than that. Um, well, that's uh, thirteen Epic plus eight healing. is twenty-one. Twenty-one points of healing. Wonderful. Oh man, that is that is a lot better. Wow, you are one talented little butterfly. I can't do Riley's voice, so. Uh, <laughs> um, um, thank you, I guess. Um, FP, are you good? Are you like, are you like hurt or you you look great? No, I am. Well, thank you. I I feel, I feel beautiful. <laughs> are you like a changeling and you just never told me? Maybe maybe I am. I I have changed. You know, Does that make me a changeling? Keep twisting. Um, it keeps twisting, indeed. Bar's like, where am I gonna put my coats? <laughs> gonna need to I am no longer thing. a coat rack. <laughs> I am still quite shiny, and I like that. It makes me feel special. You're one of a kind, baby. Um, always I, have been, always will be. I I think Bara is just gonna kind of like catch your breath and and wait for orders so i will stay put here okay uh and bob and brutus are next in the initiative order bob is outside of the the sphere yep. of of ugliness so bob is going to try and keep the the machines a sabotaging my general proximity is often described as a sphere of ugliness oh that's a nat 20 uh, no <laughs> Uh, we roll two tension die. We get another complication as a third of the five braided steel cables that suspend the verticulator whips off uh, and and begins falling out into into the distance. Um, the whole pendant, the whole city block, basically begins kind of twisting and, and shearing weirdly. And the stress being put on the walkways is such that the arches are starting to twist at the center that extend out uh, to, to either side of this pendant as the, the saboteurs continue their work. Uh, Brutus, who has a layer of exhaustion, is going to... I'm just going to commit. Uh, yep. <laughs> Brutus is going to roll the save. And with disadvantage, that is a 19 or a 12. So that's a 12 on the die. 12 plus... Two is 14. Does a 14 pass? It does not. Okay, so that's a layer of exhaustion nice. and a bunch of damage. How much? 4d10. Dude, that's still going to be 31 radiant damage and a second level of exhaustion. Brutus, who has been like stuck <laughs> in this in this kind of radiant sphere, just trying desperately to push this machine, uh, goes pen and ink before finally just vaporizing off the top of the. Um, off the top of the pendant there and it's just gone. There's like a little bit of bone and, and like charred marks on the roof. And Bob is like, Brutus, what, what? And you know, he's just gone. Um, 
the which brings us to Bruiser in the initiative order. Bruiser is in the cockpit of the Cugboat. You have righted things. Are you going to stay in the cockpit or are you going down to the boiler? Uh, does he know if it'll stay righted or if he has to actively keep it righted? Uh, it will stay vertical as long as no outside forces act upon it. It was just the impact of that shock oh, wave okay. that tipped it weird. Uh, then he's going to run to the boiler room to help FP. Okay. Uh, or uh, Radford, sorry. Yeah. Help Radford and FB, I guess. He runs down to the boiler room, uh, and he can make it to basically where Radford is. So he's he's in the storage room, probably right behind Radford. Okay. Um, what do you want to do? Anything like take any actions or use any skills this turn, or um, um, just kind of get down there? Is he in there yet, or he's like right he's outside? In the storage room. So Radford is posted up at the door, eyes locked into the boiler room, and like he, you know, he's he's kind of ready for anything, and he's he's looking actively for threats in the boiler room. So Can you're in the storage he... room behind him. Can he use like the dash action? So move and then dash to get inside. Yeah, um, okay. one dash is sufficient to get you inside the room. So you and then past Radford and into the room. And then being a rogue, he's going to bonus action, um, take the dodge. Okay. Um, because to, he's not sure what's there. Just as a suggestion with your action economy, you could bonus action dash in there and use your... Oh, you're right, you're right, to, sorry. To still do bonus something. action dash in, um, and he's going to try and assess the damage on the boiler and and then figure out what he has to do to sure. fix it. Go ahead and roll an intelligence-based vehicle kit check. Okay. Vehicle tools. Oh, man, I sure hope you don't want me to go up there and pilot while you work on this. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. no. Uh, I need you to keep an eye out for any enemies that may be down here. Uh, that's going to be an 18. Uh, 18, okay. You are able to uh, come up with a, a pretty ghetto solution, but it'll it'll keep the ship flying and get you out of game, kind of a thing. It will take you two rounds to implement. So this round, you've done the first part of it, but you still need another six seconds to get. You've like patched the thing, but now you need to secure it somehow to like make sure the wire doesn't doesn't fray or break again. You need to got to get yep. some electrical tape on there. Um, yeah. Some some wingle dill tape. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> some wing tape. Uh, you gotta yeah, yep. put some wing tape on there. And you're, you know, ominously near you on the ground is still the unconscious Bradford Street um, axe kind of scattered across the floor. And you do not see any other living creatures while you're in there besides B Street and Bradford. Uh, and that concludes your turn and brings us to the top of initiative order. Alan, uh, you are down on the lower tier of Gaim. Uh, on the eighth tier, I should say, as the King of Udril, Tactus the Unyielding, as Larodith, and as uh, Randy Meg McHale walk out and towards you. And they're like, things don't seem good in the in the reticulators, Randy leads the conversation. Uh, uh, no, they do not. In fact, uh, it seems as though two of the uh, strands that are holding them vertical are uh, <laughs> A third. cut, gone. Uh, so I say that we take the stairs now. Yeah, sounds good. Let's run for it. Uh, and they they each pick up their piece of the machine and they're just contributing as much as they can. You know, the group is moving. Yep. Um, as you as you run, civilians crowd the streets and make it a little bit more difficult to get through. But you're still able to move your move speed. You just have to be a little rude to people um, to to get where you need to go. 
and uh, among the yelling, you hear a couple cries of things like, "You brought this here! It's exactly like they told us it would be!" You know, your your reason they're attacking and blah blah blah. As as you all run past, um, and that is that is the state of things down there. Um, up here on the the upper tier of things, FP six two, you are currently on the deck of the Cugboat. Yep, FP is going to uh, run into the cockpit. Um, following Radford's voice. Um, Down the ladder. No, he sees oh. B Street gone. Um, Rad- Radford, do you- what's going on down there? Do you still need me? I don't know, man. Bruce, do we still need FP down here? Uh, yes. Okay, yes, come on down. All right, and then uh, FP's, okay, I will come down. Uh, you're sending mixed signals and that's making me very anxious. And so he's going to climb down <laughs> and uh, into the storeroom. Uh, what am I? Can, can he make an investigation check in the uh, in the room there? In the storage room? Yeah. Oh sure. no. Well, I guess Radford's in front of the door, but I mean, he like, could squeeze past. You can move through an occupied space. It just costs you double movement. Yeah. So um, I think he would like to investigate uh, Bradford Street. Okay. Um, we're going to exit combat initiative here since we don't have any active threats that we know about, and we're going to bounce between the people on the Cug boat and the people who are running up the stairs. Um, okay. So the... 22. Okay, 22. So FP is is kind of digging around in... I'm sorry, remind me which room. Uh, he He's wanting to investigate uh, B Street. B Street, okay. Uh, so you... Uh, drop and you basically are like checking B Street's body for loot. I mean, is pretty much what the what the investigation equivalent well, is, right? He, so he he's also a medic and is like trained in in like field medicine. Oh, use a medicine. So, check. um, okay. Well, I'll use that same role then. Yeah, uh, we got to check for that. Yeah, uh, well, not as great. Thirteen. Thirteen. Uh, B Street is unconscious. It appears to be blunt force trauma to the back of the head. Uh, single mm. attack. And uh, it doesn't look like there was a struggle based on the rest of the room. So you're pretty confident it's not like um, it's not like B Street was like brought within an inch of his life or whatever. He'll wake up, have a headache, sure. and he'll be okay. Um, and you're pretty confident that whoever it was got the jump on him. What you don't see is uh, any evidence as far as like there's no fingerprints, there's no DNA. It was um, because it was blunt force. There's no like cut marks or anything like that. There's no scrapes that you can try and match a weapon to. Um, there's just a big old bruise on the back of his his badger head, right behind one of his ears. Does it look like uh, his axe was used to cut the machinery? Like, are there like burn marks? Yeah, magical burn marks, marks or something axe. on the axe? Yep, scorch okay. marks on the axe indicate that it was the weapon used. Okay, um, I'll just relay that to Bruiser and uh, and Radford. Um, but we apparently have an assailant. He was hit in the back of the head. I don't think it was he that did it. Unless unless he did it and was un- enslaved by an aboleth and then somebody bonked him. But I'm not sure why they would have left. That doesn't make sense. Something in here. Although, is the boiler room a dead end? Uh, yes, the boiler room is a dead end. Uh, Clara, you have a hand up, but you can, we're out of initiative order, so you can just you can just act. I was I was just gonna say, can I can I since we're out of turn order, can I drag a light down for them? Oh yeah, sure. Um, I'm not sure how long dancing lights last, but ten I'm ten sh- minutes. Oh yeah, so you probably so got another good. another like eight minutes on it. That combat wasn't wasn't that long. Um, yeah. So. Are you kidding? It was four hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, You're it was. Not wrong. It was the best of combats. It was the worst of combats. 
FP, did they, is there something down there? Do y'all need light? Yes, please bring light in here. Uh, as much as you can. Where are you? What room? I'll uh, we're in the you. boiler room. Just go straight down the steps and directly through the storage okay, room onto the other see, side. Uh, FP, Bruiser, no, sorry, not FP and Bruiser, just Radford. Make a dexterity safe, but make it with advantage. Ooh. I rolled double 14s. All right. You took the dodge um, That's that is, Yes, any well, any attacks against me are at disadvantage. But yeah, that's 14 plus 9, so like 23. Yeah. You successfully dodge as from one of the recessed shadows of the storage room, a spiked chain whips towards you. Oh, no. And then vanishes in a puff of I would, dark smoke. Could I use my reaction to... Uh, uh to grab it hmm. like his like the the deflect missiles um so yes well but he dodged it so yeah i was gonna different. say yes but he's gonna burn a legendary action to succeed um, okay okay so you radford does everything right and then the chain that he catches poof, disappears into into mist um and then like maybe two seconds later the small glowing dancing light orb enters the room in front of Clara as she's coming down the ladder. Clara, oh no, there's a shadow creature down here. We what? need light, but the light like is like that one to... that was up there that like thought my jokes were good. <laughs> the light is enough to fully illuminate the storage room. So oh, okay, we you... don't need more. Um, I mean, you can bring a second one in to do the boiler room, but yeah, two of your dancing lights is sufficient to light the entire area that you are working with. DM. Yep. Um, would would Radford know that the shadow creatures have to have line of sight to teleport? Uh, no, Radford would not know that. But um, would FP know that? Because no, FP has dueled them on shaky rafters. FP has figured out that they can't teleport in light. Right. Um, I don't think that you know anything about about line of sight. So Radford is trying to intuit and fp is probably like calculating this as well as soon as he says another shadow creatures down here that we're trying to figure out if this thing has teleported out of the room or somewhere in the room that is still shadowy there so now that the dancing lights are in here there is nowhere in the room that is shadowy okay so i think just given the amount of experience that those two yeah with them it's reasonable to assume that it's teleported out of the room but if you want to roll you can roll on it um no i think i think they're going to to go with an assumption on that um clara stick close to me get real close i don't know where this thing is i think it jumped out of the room didn't we kill it already no there's another one it's something else bruiser you gotta work quick you got to work quick. I'm going, man. I'm going. Down at the eighth tier of Gaim, Alan and crew are beginning to rush up the steps. They've just gotten to the first set of stairs. Um, at the top of the steps, a mob is beginning to form and preventing access for you to get through. They're just people who are, they're not even all angry at you. They're just people who are like, there's a battle in our city. This is the walls. These are where we run. You know what I mean? So you're not, mm-hmm. they're not even focused on you. There's just this huge crush of people. Um, how will you proceed? Uh, did the did the gemstone guardian on the lowest tier ever give us one of those cool passes that we used to have? He did not. They were busy like fighting the, okay. the fight down at those lower doors. 
in that case, Alan is going to try to use his big stature and his fast speed to be the point man and clear a path. Oh, like just kind of shoulder of down and like bowl through. Yeah, yeah, okay. and 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 just just like you know, yeah, part the Red Sea basically. He's the he's the the tip of the spear there. Roll athletics. Okay. Wash your hand up. What's up? I'd like to do a Jeb thing once you're done with this. Okay. 25 on the athletics. 25 on the athletics. Alan is able to, it's it's slower than you would like, but Alan is able to start kind of shoving through the crowd and just making space. Um, and the following the suggestion of chat, uh, the king of Udril sends his wolf into the gap right behind uh, Alan so that as soon as there is space for it, the wolf can get behind you. And now, like, Alan is a tall dude. Alan is seven and a half feet tall. This dire wolf can see over his shoulders on all four legs. Um, and this dire wolf just kind of standing there, not quite over you, but certainly a little above eye level, is uh, lending an air of, holy crap, there's a huge wolf here to Alan's attempts uh-huh. to create space. And between the two of you, people, once they notice you, they move. Now the problem is just yeah. like, there's lots to be afraid of right now. And so it's still slow going, but it's not like you're impeding. Um, okay. and they, they make space and you're able to safely travel through at the back of the group. Uh, so it's like a bunch of tall people, right? Like Laredith is this tall, stringy A2. There's this huge wolf. There's Owlin. Randy is a tall, for a uh, human humanoid. And then there's mm-hmm. this dwarf king of Udril. But the sheer presence on the man as he has the, the rod of constitution in one hand and his other hand rests very, very gently, not on a weapon at his hip, but on a small leather notebook that's labeled spells uh, as mm-hmm. he walks through the crowd with you. And people just like back off like nobody closes the gap behind you there's just a space left as you all kind of walk through to the other side and kind of pull you say, and shove people out of the way half of these people including gunner are just like carrying these pieces of a machine that yeah. are bigger than themselves like, yeah this yeah. huge like big metal apparatus it's kind of trailing wires and stuff every now and then the king reaches out with the rod of constitution and brushes a wire back in you know out of the way of people's yeah. feet and stuff like that uh, just, just keeping things going. Um, all right, we zoom back up to the top tier of Gaim. Uh, this is so. This is going from eight to nine is where Alan is right now. We zoom back up to the top tier of Gaim as I add a tension die to the pool uh, for the passage of time. And you we want check barometer to make another Jeb. save? Or are we not worrying about those guys? Uh, who's making a save? Barometer. Oh yeah, let's make a, another save. We left initiative, but I, I did just kind of leave barometer up there hanging. Um, let's just, actually, you know what? Barometer doesn't make it. Um, Okay, <laughs> poor dude. I mean, it's just a matter of time. If he's going to stay in yeah. place, he's eventually going to get exhausted and fail. Uh, barometer falls, rip him. Um, okay. And so it's just, there's just two saboteurs now, and probably your spell ends. What's its duration? 10 minutes. Yeah, so probably the But spell he would ends. end it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now Bart and Bob are the only two saboteurs left, just steadily working away at the pace of the tension die, which actually there's six in there, so we get to clear the tension. Um, and Zoff would be trying to continue to shoot them. Okay, um, so just every now and then Zoff is shooting at them. So far, no hits, but they also haven't made a whole lot of uh, forward progress. They've got those the last two braids to work through, but Zoff is shooting close enough that they, you know, they flinch or they don't push as hard as they should, and they're like half taking cover. Um, so he's creating an obstruction for them, um, and they will continue to roll at disadvantage. Um, or, I mean, I'm using the tension die instead of rolls, but that's a much lower percentage chance of them succeeding. So that will bring us to... Uh, Jeb has a thing he wants to do. Yeah, so Jeb is going to land his hand up on the, uh, the aft castle. Yeah. And um, 
and like hop off and it kind of dissipates. And uh, Zoff, what's the status? What's like, I see bands breaking. Are they in the verticulator? What's going on? Um, I don't know about the set of the verticulator and the people in it, but I've got two of them off of it and I'm trying to get the other two. But now that you're here, I can get the, I think I can uh, get the last two. Okay, uh, I'm I'm gonna survey down below. Can can Jeb see them? Like, do does he see movement? Does he see that huge wolf walking uh, around out there? Not yet, because they're in the walls. So they're coming up one of the staircases that's in the residential area, which is not in the open walkways. So they're oh. they're in a staircase, basically a spiral staircase that's enclosed on all four sides. If is a way of thinking of it. Um, they've they've left the the arches and the walkways of Gaim and moved into the residential areas along the walls. Um, so you this can't is, see this... them at the moment. Well, would this... would uh, would there be a way for him to see that maybe the cables running the verticulators aren't moving anymore? Like yes, they're... that you could definitely okay. see. Um, so the verticulators Something's are wrong. Not in motion. Something's wrong. They stopped. Uh, what's off? Uh, come with me and Jibs. You also see a glimmer of light. Um, it's it's not like a single glimmer of light. It's more like a bed of stars, except you're looking down, um, and you just see this like weird kind of twinkling bed of stars, uh, kind of fluttering across. It starts underneath the cugboat, stretches out a little bit past the aft castle, but it goes almost the whole way, like you know, away from you towards the wall, on the um on the walkway, and it covers like the you know the stacks and malarkey circle where the old four guys headquarters was and stuff and there's just this huge kind of floating starry carpet thing that covers the ground uh well i mean from where you are it looks like you're looking down Mm. at a sky full of stars so it's like it's like a carpet that like or like something that emanates away what the can i can i make an arcana check to see if i can figure out what that heck that thing is you sure can and Zop, I'll make an Arcana check. You sure can. 26. A non-natural 20. Okay, between the two of you, uh, you're like up there comparing notes on it, kind of like squinting down at it and trying to figure out what it, it is. It could be, but like, they it, just rolled out of nowhere. Oh, no, no, no. I think it's this. It, you're pretty sure that they are... Um, it's not like actual stars, and it's not like a carpet. It's like individual little motes of something, and they're not... They're not moving like a river. They're kind of like suspended in place. It's like a field of something has been replaced or been released into the air. Um, and it's kind of like carpeting is, I guess, the best verb for how it is, how it has landed um, across the 10th the tier of Gaim. Is that like mines or something? No. What color are they? They are a, a soft blue and they don't, look like any spell that you've seen like the the effects of any spell that you've seen i should say we got to get out of here i have no idea what we still got like dragons up atop that we need to get through like this is this is taking way too long only been like five minutes (laughs) that's five minutes too much um dang it all right, if we get a little bit closer, I can uh, cast the same spell again and hopefully get rid of these two. We cut back I don't down care about to, these guys. We cut back down to Alan and company, 
who have made it up to the ninth tier of Gaim just to be greeted by basically the same thing but more. Um, if we recall, the way that wealth is distributed in Gaim is the poorer people are closer to the top, and so there are more of them. And so the density of people is such that it's really difficult to make any headway, even with a huge wolf behind you. People are like, well, there's one wolf here, or there's an army attacking us out there. And so the crowd is just kind of packed in place. And you do hear a handful of people who are like, oh, it's four guys. They're the bad guys. But you also hear a couple people who are like, no, 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 I was there in Udra. Like, I, I know, you know, and so that both sides are represented in the, in the mob. Um, and Alan, you are pushing against this as you see the, the same kind of strange, like blue little moats or whatever they are kind of mm. flutter down. Um, they come down the stairs towards you along with a crowd of people. There's a bunch of people from the 10th tier of Gaim who are coming down to the ninth tier, pushing down the spiral staircase towards you. And they seem to be it, it, centered is the wrong word because it's so big. Um, but there's, you know, they are within the cloud of, of little moats or little soft blue somethings. Interesting. Do they seem, does, do they bear any familiarity to like, uh, the, like the myconid spores or fungus spores from the underdark? They bear a striking resemblance to the myconid spores from the underdark. And not only, that's Mm. not the only resemblance you notice as you begin to recognize many of the blacksmiths and laborers from the stacks which is the area where the old four guys headquarters was where, yeah, the Mike had quelled a bit of a gang war um, and, and created a, a bit of a safe haven for all the crafts people. Mm-hmm. And now you watch as those same crafts people with their uh, strengthened, you know, blacksmith's arms and their crowbars and their reinforced steel tools come down and begin creating a path for you, pushing oh. people to the side um, and, of you know creating the this walkway where it's not like before where you, you had just enough room to to maneuver it's like you know it's like they have they have made you enough space and as they um as they kind of come to get you you fall into the cloud of spores and you can hear yeah the mic and its calm voice directing probably upwards of 70 or 80 people uh with just calm you know aloof kind of emotionless directions maneuvering them and everyone else seems to have the same kind of calm flat affect that you're used to from yeah um Hmm. where it's not like a mind control they're present but it's like they're they're just all all very calm and understood um they they make this space and lead you to the stairs and up the stairs and in the middle of their number you see yeah the myconid except he's like I don't know, a foot and a half taller. I say, yeah, he's sovereign now. Yeah, he's growing into a sovereign myconid. And so his little mushroom cap has started to turn upwards and grow more like tree bark. Is kind of Mm -hmm. covering it and creating a little bit of natural armor for him. His little hands have gone from little three-fingered kind of mitts to these more claw-like, you know, four-digit appendages. And he's developing a little bit of a, a mouth crease, you know, in the bark of his face. Um, his spots are deepening in color, so instead of the kind of bioluminescent green that he was before, he's now more of an olive-toned color. Um, and he's just sitting cross-legged in the middle of this group. A couple of them are holding him up and carrying him. They're holding him by the elbows, which he has kind of locked in like a, a Buddha prayer growth type thing. Um, mm-hmm. And as the as the group leads him and you up to the tenth tier of Gaim. Um, you see in the distance the uh, final attacks from Zopf kind of shooting at and towards the, um, the people who are trying to cut this cable. 
I'm going to clear a full tension pool of six to see if they succeed in the time that remains before you get to the Kug boat. We'll see. Oh my gosh. That's three complications and there are only two braids left. And so no. as you and the, the rest of your party are loading onto the Kug boat and your machinery is being safely brought up, Bruiser, you know, deftly maneuvers the, the ship down towards you. You get the, the machine brought on, the different pieces of it. Randy is rushing around the ship trying to make sure that, you know, all of his tools are there and the things he'll need to help put it together on the other end. Claridith has her notes. She's kind of spreading them out and getting everything, you know, below deck settled. Um, the only remaining loose end here is what are Radford uh, and Bradford Street and FP doing um, in the the boiler room? Bruiser, I'm sorry, I just exposited you back into the cockpit to bring the ship. That's fine. As, um, as long as you, as long as it's fixed. Yeah, um, yeah, you did fix it. So okay. now the question is just, what about the shadow? Uh, FP has uh, stabilized and healed um, B Street. Okay. Uh, he gets uh, 16, 19 hit points. Um, okay. Uh, 19 hit points is, is a pretty good amount. Um, he still has a bit of a headache, but he's alert it's and, not, you know, and present and stuff. Yeah, it's not magical healing. So this is like wrapping up his wound Got and kind of yeah, like yeah. smelling salts and, and getting him to it. Um, uh, oh. B Street. What is? Are you are you okay? I I think Radford, so. come I here. He's so. coming it's too. Just a, I just have it's like a, a bruise. There's am I am I bleeding or anything from from back here? And he kind uh, of turns his you head were. and shows I've, you the spot. I've patched you up. Oh, you're okay. okay thank you. You're okay. Yeah. Um, um, wow. I I don't know. I was down here. I was waiting for for Bruiser to tell me it was time to you know bring the ship down and pick up our friends, and then I. And then I don't remember. And then I was here, and you were you were helping me, and I had this headache. Okay. Well, uh, let me sit, sit back here against this shelf, and just just take a rest. Scraping sound, I think, but not from in here. From like like through the hall, you know how like the creaks or whatever. And I just thought it was you know something like that. Okay, that is good. Thank you. Yeah. We are going to... There, there is something dangerous here. And he puts his axe in his hand. Be vigilant. Um, there is a shadowy creature. If you see it, call. Okay. Very loudly. Are these lights going to stay on? He points up at the lights. They should stay here for the time being. Okay. Uh, yep. I'll, I'll keep... I'll, I'll watch this time. I'll, I'll watch better. And he arranges himself so his back is to the flat wall. You know, like the dead end wall. Um, and his axe is in his hands. Very good. Be mindful of shadows. These things can teleport into darkness. This light is bright enough, it should be okay, but that is what you're going to look for, should the light happen to go out. Okay. Radford, we must sweep this ship. I'm here with you, buddy. Um, I guess we gotta go to the back and sweep our way forward. We might need to look at those fins on the side, too. If he said it was scratching, it could be climbing or attached to the outside of the ship, waiting to warp back in. This is... This is really bad. I agree. And they're going to both um, exit and start sweeping the uh, the ship, looking for this creature. Okay. I'll send some lights with you. I'm, you know, they got a couple minutes left, maybe. 
Um, that's going to take a while to do. So the question now is, will the party hold their takeoff until this is done, or are you leaving as soon as possible and just sweeping as you go? I, would... I do not recommend that. Do not recommend what? I, I do I do not recommend holding. We need to get out. yes yeah. Alan will oh, yeah. Alan will urge that like we can deal with one shadow creature. Like we need to go. Yeah, Rizzer the will sounds leave of the dragon as soon fighting as... above keeps it fresh in your mind that like this attack isn't over just because your part has has ended. Yep, we're going. Bruiser's taking off as soon as he's given the order too. Okay, uh, and so the ship is going to navigate upwards. Bruiser, go ahead and make a, a vehicle um, driving check for me or a pilot check. Will do. Ooh, not great. That is, oh, sorry. Uh, a little bit better. Okay. Um, six plus eight is fourteen. Fourteen. All right. Uh, you. It's. I mean, it's difficult because you're under so much pressure, and the weight distribution is a little bit different. But if even if it's not quite your cleanest exit, you don't hit anything on the way out. You know what I mean? You. It does a little wobbling and rolling as you figure out where. You know all this new machinery that Randy brought on board, and of mm -hmm. course he's not thinking about proper weight distribution for shipping. He just wants a clean it workspace. Would. So of course he's cramming all the weight to one side of the room, which is. And anyway, as you're as you're adjusting and you're fixing and compensating. The uh, Cugboat slowly but surely kind of rotates in place. The anchor is disengaged by Mockery, who rides it back up as the chain pulls it in, does a cool little flip off of it and onto one of the stabilizers of the Cugboat and stays out there for a little while um, to, like, check the fins, you know, on behalf of Radford, basically. So she's, she's assisting by looking at the outside stabilizers on one side of the ship. She does not see anything. Um, the anchor finishes... With a, a loud kind of metallic clang as it slams into place on the hull, and um, the the cugboat begins zooming upwards. You know, as you're really giving the thrusters some more juice, this thing starts to really take off and, and use some speed. And you kind of rocket out of the um, uh, of the the skylights that they've widened. You know, this landing pad access kind of zoom out of there and into the night sky and so as you come into the night sky suddenly the sounds of the the draconic fights get louder and more present you hear the sounds of the wings rushing and the shrieks of dragons battling each other every time you know you see this huge talon slash through a shadow dragon and bits of limbo energy fly off of it to the side um you make it probably 30 to 40 feet out before you see another dragon swoop in from the side and slam into the the friendly dragon and it kind of knocks it off course um, there's no one is able to in the chaos of this air battle no one is able to spare you the attention to escort you out and so bruiser is having to kind of weave and dodge and dip and zip around as he's as he's doing his thing and just as you come out the top of this fight basically on the other end of this this asteroid field so to speak of, of foes and friends just as you emerge from that and you start to level out as you're approaching the cloud cover you see painted all black in the distance another airship and uh standing on the deck you see somebody tip a top hat at you and then the orange glow of a cipher get activated and a huge ball of darkened energy almost pure blackness appears around your ship and all the ciphers go black counter spell and on that note ooh, counter spell you <laughs> counter spell you counter spell uh counter spells a roll right depends um, on the level it depends on the level. It's this is my first time animation. doing this. 
Uh, Eighth level abjuration. You attempt to interrupt a creature. If the creature is casting third level or lower, it fails and has no effect. If fourth level or higher, make an ability check using your casting ability. DC is 10 plus the spell's level. On a success, the creature spell fails and has no effect. So you need to beat a DC 18 with your spell modifier. All right. I am going to burn my six. Is this Jeff casting it? Yeah, this is his first counter spell. Um, he's going to burn a sixth level spell shell. Okay. Um, so as he as he sees that he he quickly contingency slots this uh, this shell into the blunderbuss, cranks it all up, boom, and almost shoots it like a mortar. Um, that's going to be it was ten plus the spell level, so that's right. Yes. Ten. That's plus a DC. the DC level. DC eight. The DC. Oh, oh eight, 18, but I can oh, upcast chat mine. Is, chat is rolling for one of the players. So your upcast has to do with if they try to counterspell you back. Um, or um, the spell slot of fourth level or higher. Interrupted spell is no effect if its level is less than or equal to the level of your spell slot used. So at sixth level, it's still not high enough to stop the eighth level. But if they counterspell you back, um, then then it would the sixth level would be what they're rolling against instead of third level like the spell. Um, the chat has rolled on your behalf. Do you want to change the level you're casting at? Um, I don't know what the chat has rolled. Um, well, you know what would come after you made this decision. Okay. Will, will casting at its sixth level help? Yeah. I don't. Okay. It'll help if they try and kind of spell you back, which I can, I'll warn you they will. Uh, Zop also has counter okay. spell. I will no. I I will I will go ahead and counter spell at sixth level. Counter spell at sixth level. Jeb sees this happen, and in the kind of speed that only a chronomancer can achieve, he rips out his gun. He's already like got the spell, the the shell, I should say, ripped off his bandolier and locked in place. He takes aim. He sees the kind of energy field whipping towards. He takes aim. He fires. You got a 12 on the die plus your spell casting modifier with a DC of 18. He has a plus eight oh, has a spell plus casting eight modifier for a dirty 20 with Ooh. a dirty 20. You see your, your aim is perfect. You can see the shell is lined up when you see on the other airship, a cannon and another counter spell gets launched towards you. I'm Would going Zop to be able to counter spell that counter spell and we'll roll to see if it succeeds or not. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, except a bolt falls loose on the cannon and it drops to the deck Ooh. and fires straight down. What a very unlucky thing to happen mm. as Jeb uses his last bit of luck from the Rod of Luck today. Does the Rod of Luck create critical fails or just failures? I don't remember. Because um, if it's uh, crit fails, then I'll let you shoot it at the deck. But if it's just a failure, they're not going to take out their own ship. Well, it's not in that anti-magic thing. It was just a counterspell. I was just for like negating oh, the counterspell. I got you. Yeah, you're right. It just says uh, if they're if. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, I can't. They have to be within thirty feet of me. Oh shoot. Okay. Um, so I could do it to myself, but I can't. I can't do this to them. I see. Um... Okay, so they're rolling. So they need to roll for this counterspell. Uh, you cast it at level six, right? Yes. Okay, so the DC is 10 plus six, and the die is a 16. Ooh. So 
Um, so their counter spell is on track, rushing towards. I heard Zop say, "Put me in there." Yep, uh, Zop also has counter spell. Coach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, but it's Barry only a tech level. Also has counter spell. <laughs> <laughs> Barry, Countess Spin. <laughs> uh, so Zop's casting it, trying to counter spell their counter spell at uh, Zop's casting at fifth level. Okay. Uh, their spell is at 6th level, so the DC to beat is 16. Okay. Zop has a plus 9. I'm feeling good. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I'm feeling, is, I'm feeling a... lucky. Because <laughs> Zop is, like, is probably within, within 30, 30 feet. feet. Of me. <laughs> yes. Yep. So is and that so, just a reroll? So, so Jeb sees it go back and forth. And then it comes to like... It comes to us, and then Zop sends his spell <laughs> off. What does it look like when you do counter spell? What does the cast um, look like for you? Yeah, so he he kind of summons like a mini like version of Andromeda, and it's like breathing. Um, what is her breath weapon? Uh, her breath weapon is like a, a a purple haze almost. Okay, so it's like a purple haze that shoots out in this mist and dissipates as it goes, like spreading out. Um, and so uh, a little a little breeze kind of blows the right direction and carries it on to exactly where it needs to go on its target. And I would like to use the last charge of the rod of luck to force that to succeed. And as well, the yeah, as as three counter spells and an anti magic field slam into each other, uh, maybe three feet, four feet from the cug boat, right? Because they had the jump on you with the first attack, and then it's just counterspell after counterspell trying to keep <laughs> this thing running. The anti-magic field fizzles out, and you <laughs> rocket away. You're at full thrust at this point. Rocket away, easily out of pace of any pursuing craft, which would need to like activate rockets and build up momentum to catch up with you. Um, and as you leave... You hear the voice of Sir Topham Sav yell after you, you've got my spike. And it kind of echoes out into the, into the night as you fly away. And on that note, which is completely different from the note I thought we were ending on, so good work, everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. On that note, tonight's Dungeons & Dragons session comes to a close. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us. I know we ran a touch late there. Chat with the clutch roll at the end there. Yes, killing it. Thank you, on Muffin that first Man. Counter thank spell. you so much, chat. Good that was work, great. y'all. Uh, we will hopefully be back next Monday. I'm trying to remember. Uh, I think we will be, we'll be playing again next Monday. I think it's the Monday after that we're not playing. We have, at some point, I'm going to Ethiopia in the near future. But all my days and nights are blurred together because it's fall wedding mm. season for me. So I have yeah. no idea what day it is. Uh, but you did good, Josh. D day. Thank you. Woo. From all of us here at the Winged Badger Tavern, let's. Well, we got to do it on Cleo's behalf. What do we <laughs> oh. need to tell the people about? We need to tell them about jury nullification, jury, right? Yeah, jur- yeah. Jury yep. nullification. So how do you I think feel we should, about it? I, we should all say it at the same time, like okay. we did with. Sure. Yeah. 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 So we'll we'll all just go off on our own rant. Is that what you're suggesting? About yeah. Yes. Nullification. Okay. Three, two. One. So the thing about so jury nullification. So from all of us here at the Winged Badger Tavern, GG's and GN.